Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Rebel Guru Radio with best-selling spiritual author Eric Pepin. Season 2, Higher Balance Classics, Timeless Teachings. Rebel Guru Radio is sponsored by Cramp Medic, the most powerful cramp fighting supplement on the market. I think it's an excellent product. I can honestly say for myself, and this is of course uh, difficult to say because it's coming from me, but I hope you take my word on it. I don't think there's anything out there better than Cramp Medic for leg cramps. I used to get them on a near daily basis, maybe every couple days. I know that uh, when I had my motorcycle or bicycle, uh, my legs would be the worst. I would wake up in the middle of the night in pain. Uh, there have been times where I've thought about maybe I should go to an emergency room. Since I've used Cramp Medic, I probably use one serving and I will not have to reach into using this again probably for two, two and a half weeks. That is more than double what I felt was the recommended like once for every seven days. That's how effective is. I do think that people need to use it for two to three times to build up somehow in your in your system. We have mainly all positive reviews. Apple cider vinegar is what is going to reduce, you know, acid buildup in your muscle tissue very rapidly. Cayenne pepper is going to expand your capillaries to move that blood into those tight cramping muscles that just do not want to let blood in there to soften it. It is very, very effective. It is going to get in there. Electrolytes very fast. It's going to do the job. It's just a great product. And that's what I have to say about it, crampmedic.com. The other thing I wanted to say is the Higher Balance Institute store, HBI, or higherbalance.com. We've worked very hard at reducing and slashing the pricing, trying to keep it as a mainstay price forum. Uh, People have said over the years it's too expensive for them and they can't afford it. Uh, I don't know what the next excuse is going to be because it is extremely affordable. Um, We're doing our best to do that. Having Cramp Medic, finding other stuff to maneuver around so we can keep this thing going uh, has allowed us to bring those prices down. Uh, We do have a lot, a lot of material, a lot of classes that are really excellent, I feel. you know, going probably for several dollars, some of those classes, uh, probably at least 70, 80% off of what we charge, maybe even more. Uh, one thing we may do is maybe change around in the store, like uh, uh, bi-monthly or something, which modules we're offering, because there's so many, I think people get lost in it. So if there is something you want, I strongly suggest you grab it before we start moving it around, but it will come available again. It just may take six months to a year before the, all those other ones start arriving. Uh, back for availability and we're going to start taking down some probably to try to keep some organization to just the the bulk of uh, information there which I'm very proud of Um, so that's what I have to say on that please check out Higher Balance Institute uh, you know or higherbalance.com and uh, support Higher Balance please get uh, and try out uh, cramp medic for family, friends, anybody who has leg muscle problems or any kind of muscle problems in particular it, it truly is the best product out there no foams no creams you don't have to run to the bathroom if you're working at the office to put on foams on your leg by pulling on your pants and trying to get to your legs uh no need for tablets one shot seven days phenomenal if you are interested in acquiring eric pepin's books visit higherbalancebooks.com
Higher Balance presents High Guard, The Art of Energy Defense, Part 1 of 4. What is High Guard? High Guard is something that I've been developing probably the last 20 years, I'd say. Initially, uh, when I was experiencing uh, attacks from entities that were very negative and very physical at times, rare cases of physical attack, but a lot of it was, was also emotional, psychological, uh, different variations of that. In the beginning, I really had no idea how to handle something like that, um, although I was often asked to investigate hauntings or, or paranormal effects, and I would be putting myself in positions where I was uh, vulnerable. I had reacted to circumstances where I had been attacked, in different ways, unknowingly how I was dealing with it. But I, I would presume it's the same way that anybody would react if they were attacked somehow. There's a, a mechanism for survival that kicks in. And in this particular case, it wasn't somebody to physically grab. So the unconscious mind very quickly begins to adapt to the circumstance, particularly for me, because I was already able to sense them, feel them, use the sixth sense to take the experience. And so immediately the sixth sense kind of compensated in order for me to react somehow. So I was able to do what I would call push an entity away or to to affect an entity in a certain way or to remove their manipulations uh, from affecting my mind. And of course, over time in reflection, uh, this began to reveal itself that there were mechanisms to defending oneself from a variety of negative or aggressive energy attacks per se, whether they be from another individual or an entity or from a home environment that's compounded with negative energy that's going to have some kind of effect on you. This is a compilation of that knowledge, what I would call self-defense in, in the spiritual realms. And of course, naturally, it goes beyond the spiritual realms because you're dealing with psychic attack, you know, everything basically that I've just mentioned. Uh, it's, it's a martial arts, if you will, of, of the mind. Are there different levels or forms of high guard? Well, there's different forms because there's different strategies. Um, for instance, if you were to be attacked in a very psychological way, which, which entities often do. You know, again, as humans, we think that every form of attack is going to be something physical. And we don't often take in consideration psychological attacks, but that's another form of abuse in, in our physical reality also. Well, entities are of energy. And most entities do not have the ability to physically attack you. It's only in rare cases, unique beings, which we've covered in other material. In essence, the majority of entities, how they're going to attack you or let their effect upon you is going to be in an emotional way. You may feel suddenly overwhelmed with depression or sadness. You may even feel nauseated to the point where you can't physically function and want to throw up. You may receive also what I call very sharp, sharp pains in your temple area. Um, it feels almost like a, almost like a needle or, or, or something sharp was twinging, I would say, in, in your temples, and it can be very painful. There, there is a, a myriad of, of different formats of being attacked. So, in essence, if you were to be attacked in this way, one, you have to be able to recognize that this is not something typical that you're experiencing, that this is something unusual. And usually that comes from a sense of there's something else in this home with me, or of course you're out investigating a place that you, you, you understand as being, uh, you know, holding some kind of negative energies. So that would be one application. So there's a variety of different forms of high guard. There's one for psychic attack. 
There's one for spiritual attack. There's one for uh, different formulas of people that would utilize some form of attack against you. So there's, there's a, a variety of methods of approach. What would be the most common form of psychic attack? You know, one thing I want to clarify is that it's not always psychic attack. I think a lot of times homes hold a variety of energies in them that can depress someone if you're not aware of those energies, if you can't control those energies. So one needs to defend themselves against that kind of vibration. So that can lead to a form of attack, if you will, even though there's no one consciously willing it upon you. Another form of attack is, of course, if an individual who who is not out to do psychic warfare or some kind of you know willful attack, but but a person who mentally is just despising you. Um, you know, sometimes in divorce cases, uh, one of the people will become ill often, or or have circumstances happen to them that are just above and beyond normal, that are that are negative. This is because someone is willfully just throwing all this very negative, hateful. Uh, aggressive energy outward and without them realizing it on a subconscious level they're they're drawing a map of your energy in their mind by thinking of you and focusing that energy on you they they literally are t attacking your energy field in in essence those are also other forms of of attack that are considered psychic attack it's just not knowingly a person sitting down knowing they're able to do this it's something unconsciously done on their part and this is more than likely the most usual case of, of, of what we would call psychic attack. I know that in studies where they are able to film Korean photography, they can show two fingers going near each other, and they literally will, will battle. Um, you'll see them kind of like sparking at one another. And when the people tend to take it to a level of aggressiveness, one will actually dominate over the other, and it'll actually cross over and start to, to, to just really control it. Um, also, when they show that they're passionate towards one another or loving or they, they kiss per se, they tend to change color and they become like a, a beautiful like violet or a, a pinkish kind of color. It's neonish, which is, again, a, a more positive. So on a long distance level, someone could be a distance away, but because we believe that there's a, a grid work of consciousness, we have to not think in terms of we have to be physically near one another. Again, this is a, is a concept that we think of when we see ourselves as physical beings, that energy is, is all conclusive, it's, it's inclusive, it's all connected. So when one person at any distance is really invoking a negative energy at you, it's going to, to leap to wherever you are and you're going to be receptive to that. And it's going to affect you and you may not know why it's affecting you, but all of a sudden you become depressed. Uh, suicidal, anxiety, pains in your body, even your nervous system to your body can be affected and you think it's just something natural and it's really something completely unnatural, at least in the sense that somebody's invoking this energy at you. That's the most common type of, of psychic attack. It gets rarer and rarer because as you move into the realms of, of paranormal stuff, it's not usual for you to have somebody actually go out and want to attack you or even have the knowledge or the know-how. But you have a, a variety of other levels now beyond that that is going to be a little bit more rare. But you may meet people who really just want to dominate you. Um, you know, it's just their personality to dominate you. That's another form of psychic attack. Because at any time a person consciously or willfully has an intention, it's really that energy that's all over you. I mean, if you look at a, a, a male-female scenario, let's say at a bar, and the male is very interested in the female, a female will often, because they have a higher sensory for this kind of feeling, 
will say they can feel them on them. You can literally feel their presence on them. And they, they're aware of that. And they just kind of want to get that person away. Well, what is that feeling? That That's a sensory, but that's a person's energy, really, that's that's touching you. Their mind is so on you that, that their energy field now is, is approaching you and attempting to seduce you or to to get you willful to their desire to submit. So again, this is another form of psychic attack, even though it's not necessarily an aggressive or looked at as an aggressive. There are other methods of that where just people want to dominate over people, and it has nothing to do with sexuality or anything like that. It's just their nature. As you move up that ladder, if you are spiritually in a state that you're assisting other people, by assisting other people who, who may have negative energy affecting them or have someone who has knowledge of this, whether they're into, if you want to call it formulas of, of magic or ritualistic properties or even even religious situations can become negative. Often people think of just religious being in a sense they pray for good things. But you have to keep in mind, sometimes people pray, you know, thinking that you're the enemy and that God needs to smite you. And so now they're they're invoking this spiritual energy that's supposed to be positive, and they're saying, you know, this person's trying to harm me. Please, you know, remove them from my life. I I, I want them gone. Uh, whatever they may do, but their inner intention is real. They they want to, you know, get rid of you. Maybe in their perception, you're the villain, and and they're willing really for you to just be banished or or God, you know, removes you. So this is, again, another form of psychic attack. It's it's out of the bounds of what would be considered sincerity and truth. So those are the, the most general levels of what I call psychic attack. Now we're going to work up to the medium levels, and, and that's really just psychics, um, people who have developed a paranormal level and willfully are choosing to do harm to you. Um, you know, And not that I believe that people who practice magic are bad or religious people are bad, you know, or whatever I may use as a reference, because the vast majority of them are, are really truly good people with good intention. But someone who studied any formula of ritual magic, let's say, okay, they're going to use a photograph of, of you or objects of you, which is, would say they, they want objects that belong to that person. Um, or anybody from any magical genre. And the truth of the matter is the object doesn't hold anything except for one thing, your energy, your vibration. Your vibration is saturated, as I've taught in other psychic classes, in these objects. So they're able to, to somehow tune into that energy and then utilize that to reach out dimensionally to you to have an effect. So this is, is certainly a powerful form of a psychic attack. You have other people that are just pure psychics who don't require any mechanism to develop this like magic. They're just very mind-developed. And again, they can just invoke you in a certain trance and then want to deteriorate your energy or attack your energy or do harm to you willfully. This is, this is again, another direct and very potent level of psychic attack. There are a myriad of possibilities. We could just go on and on and on. But touching on the third one, the third one is, is really when you have an entity that is highly negative or aggressive, um, usually angry. They're, they're also in that mental loop as we've covered with spirits and entities in the past, kind of in a dream state, but their anger hits these extreme peaks and they can physically attack you and physically throw you across a room or do harm to your energy field of your body, which affects you biologically. So that would be one of the more extreme levels. Say it's not an entity. How can you differentiate a psychic attack from your standard physical condition like if you're simply sick or just have a headache. I also would say that I would refer to other teachings I've given that you have to sit down and clear your mind and you use intent. Intent is 
what do you want to know? Without using words in your head, you really sit down because you've already decided the purpose of me sitting down clearing my mind is because I have issues right now and I don't know if I'm being affected in a psychic or a paranormal way or if this is just naturally biological. So you sit down, you clear your mind, and that answer will surface in you. And, you know, you have to be careful because you don't want hysteria lit in the babble or create ideas like it's your, your wife or your mother-in-law or your neighbor. You, you have to be very careful of that. And there's no real way of saying that you're, you're going to be able to have it absolutely clear. What you need to do is to recheck yourself several times and then, and then make a decision. Don't just jump at it, okay? So in other words, you sit down, you clear your mind, and, and your intent is... I need to know if, if I'm being attacked or not. If where, where is this from? And then let your mind clear out. And it's almost as if with that intent, your energy field will, will let information into you. And either you're going to see a picture of someone in your mind of who it may or may not be. You may get a sense that it's entities or spirits. But it's going to tell you if you just simply clear your mind and just, and just kind of feel. The truth of the matter is whatever's sent at you, whatever you feel, you're going to know if this is something unusual. Your, your sensory is telling you that. But because we're so used to ignoring the sixth sense, we tend to block it out, sound it out, like talk over that information. But internally, we know something's wrong. We know something unusual is going on. We have the sense of our space being breached. We already know. I think everybody knows this, but it's, it's a matter of sitting down and just, and just studying what this feeling is. Where is it coming from? What does it mean? And letting yourself internalize that sense to, to be converted into something we can understand in this reality, whether it's a person or a thing or a being. The answer is there. If it comes from a source, that source can be followed instantaneous in, in a sense of energy. So you, you, you will get that information if you just simply open your mind to it. And I think everybody can contest that if they think about that. In other ways, you know, sometimes it, it, it could be from something that you couldn't possibly imagine. I know that recently I was contacted by an old friend and we, we were talking and stuff and something had happened where there was a, a disagreement between me and this other person and this person went and, and talked to their mother and really miscommunicated or she misunderstood the facts of the information. And she set it upon herself to like throw all of this, this negative energy at me. And, you know, and this person was telling me like, yeah, she, she told me later, you know, for, for like two years, she just would sit there and just want to throw all this hateful energy at you, you know? And, and then when she found out what the facts were, she was like, oh my God, look, you know, oh, I, I had no idea. I shouldn't have done all, you know? And of course it didn't really affect me, but the, the point is, is you never know where it's coming from. You never know where it's really coming from. You can have maybe a circumstance happen with someone and you can direct it or, or you might think it comes to a certain place, but you really have to open your mind and see who that intent is. I often say don't get too concerned where the source is. Be more concerned that you can re release it off of you and that you create a sense of energy around you that's impenetrable. That's what's important. I think in life you're always going to be psychically attacked. We are all interlinked in life. Um, that's human nature. To, to have aggressive nature, there's territorial. I mean, look at all the different forms. Of, I mean, you could, you could be interested in a girl and somebody senses that you're interested in this girl, but they're interested already. And without telling you, they befriend you. But in the meantime, they're throwing all this hate energy at you. Or because it is a competition for work or a better position with, with people you work with. Or it just goes on and on. Or an issue with the neighbor over property. There's constantly a bombardment of aggressive energy that's constantly going on. So there's, there's always this different thing. So the best thing to do is to create an energy 
kind of barrier around you that removes all these these energies that are attacking you. You do it on a daily level or a weekly level or whatever you feel is necessary. But I'll tell you one thing. When you do use these techniques from high guard, you will see a difference almost dramatically in your life. I mean, literally within minutes, maybe hours, maybe days, depending on, on the circumstances. But they're absolutely the most powerful techniques you can use, and they're going to have a dramatic effect. And I don't care what kind of energy is coming at you, no matter how bad, how dark, how powerful, how intense, how many people, does not matter. These techniques are foolproof. They are absolutely the most powerful method of handling these uh, circumstances. And one of the things I have a lot of concern about is, is my intention is not to teach people how to do psychic attack. Unfortunately, with learning how to protect yourself, it's pretty easy to figure out ways of also attacking someone. And I hope that that's not what happens, and I hope that these this knowledge is not abused in that way. How can you keep yourself from subconsciously or psychically attacking someone else? If you're just feeling a certain way towards them, how can you prevent it from going to a psychic level? Well, that's a very good question. You know, there is always going to be, again, as I said, a level of an exchange of, of energies. And as you develop, your your intensity is going to get stronger. But one of the beautiful things about developing is, is that as you develop more psychically stronger, there also is a development of a very intentional on and off switch. You'll almost have to will yourself intentionally to do something to someone rather than just getting really mad or angry at them. I think it remains still in the normal realms of, of everyday kind of energy going back and forth. So in one way, you could say you could feel maybe a little bit of guilt, but I would say I wouldn't worry about it too much. If you're meditating already and you're using the program, your energy is going to be pretty balanced, and there shouldn't really be a reason for that to happen. But in the rare case it does, simply just use different techniques that you've learned from this program and, and invoke a positive array on them and just say, you know, you don't, you don't want to create a festering of this negative energy. Just simply release it, surrender. So if you did psychically attack someone, the best way to reverse the effect is to reaffirm a forgiving vibration? Just tell yourself that you're you're forgiving to them. You know, it's just, just traditional. Whatever comes to mind, I, again, everybody has an inner knowledge in them. And you, you kind of know what you need to do. It's almost like, you know, I, I'm not going to hold my anger towards them. And that releases any kind of negative energy you're sending at them. But again, I, I will reinforce that I don't think it's very easy to unconsciously do a significant amount of harm to people that wouldn't be done already in, in normal circumstances. I, I think that the people have a natural field, is what I'm saying, to kind of filter out a lot of energy towards them already. So to really have an effect, you really have to turn that on and off switch to really directly have an effect. What would be the repercussions of using this knowledge for personal gain? Well, it's the same thing. You know right from wrong. I've often said that you're really creating your frequency, and that's how the universe is going to recognize you, is by the vibration or frequency of, of what you, you emanate at, and that's what's going to determine your entrance into to higher levels of, of, of dimensions, per se, that you want to experience. So if you tend to, to be aggressive, what that is, is, is really what I call the, the really truest sin, and that is suppression of human life, controlling life in the sense that you're doing harm to it. So in so doing, your energy is just really turning into a, a negative octave, and the universe is going to respond that way to you. It's going, it's going to see you as a mechanism that, that really has the intention of doing harm to, to the whole living organism. And eventually, if you think you're doing a lot of harm to someone else, you, you, you got, I got news for you. It's going to get really bad for you because 
that energy is going to harness back at you and there's going to be repercussions. Can psychic attacks cause physical harm? Absolutely, yes. If you think about energy and you willfully want to do harm to someone, it can, it can come in, in a number of ways depending on how strong the development of, of this person's intention is, how well refined it is. For most people, you, you may get some, some sharp pains in your temple if that person's really sending out energy at you. And sometimes it's what I call delayed. Sometimes it might only hit you like a day after they sent it out. And there, there's a whole number of reasons for that. But other people who are more skilled, I mean, can throw energy at you and you could, you could end up having muscle spasms. Um, you, you might all of a sudden have a case of asthma that you've never had before. It really affects the nervous system. Everything about your body is electrical. All of your muscles, your hands expand and retract by electrical currents. So generally your muscles in your body tend to hold a lot of emotion in them. It's, it's as if your brain somehow reciprocates a place to, to hold certain information that may not be good. In essence, your body will also react to psychic attacks in different ways. Um, I've, I remember a case many, many, many years ago where someone had psychically attacked, a lady psychically attacked a, a student of mine, and his body reacted in such a way that he broke out what looked like, like um, measles. I mean, just, just red, red, red bumps everywhere all over his body. And immediately when he came to me, he was like, yeah, I had this confrontation. I, you know, she, she basically threw all this negative energy at me. I, I know she, she did. I could feel it. Uh, it's above and beyond. I don't know what I can do or to handle it. And it, of course, I shifted his energy and, you know, in a matter of hours, it just kind of disappeared and stuff. But I was rather amused at this effect. And later went to, to meet with this person, and of course they, they obviously respected me and, and obviously were a bit intimidated by me. And they, of course, did not know what the effect would be. It was just a reaction of, of them throwing this energy out at them, and that's how his body reciprocated that by almost wanting to purge it out in a physical way, and that's how, how it reacted. So it's very interesting. Um, so different people can be affected in, in different ways. I've seen cases where, where people's physical motions have been affected, in some cases made deaf, in some rare cases even blinded temporarily. So again, it, it depends on how willful or how strong that person is projecting that energy. But again, I say to you, even with the simplest techniques from High Guard, all of these things can be removed, absolutely, without a doubt. So if High Guard can teach you psychic defense for yourself, can you also use it to defend others? Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, it, it takes a, a level of concentration and, of course, knowing the, the, the formula is what I call it. And, you know, you can, do, you can change your formula if you like, but for me, this is what's been refined after these years as being what I think is the best universal way of teaching people these methods. If you want to create your own style, absolutely, but you can definitely protect other people. About entities, why would an entity choose to go out of its way and attack you? Generally, entities are really, you know, there's a little truth to every wise tale, okay? You, you know, you don't, you don't necessarily find a negative entity or what you could call a demon, which I don't necessarily believe in demons, but I believe in really negative entities that you could call a demon. They tend to be angry at life, angry at, at how life has dealt their hand to them, more or less, or they are just so angry, but they were so developed spiritually that they, they kind of turn. And I hate to use a Darth Vader concept, okay, but kind of like that. They developed to such a point, and something in their life 
turn them psychologically. Perhaps it was losing someone they really loved and they couldn't accept letting that person go. So in their mind, they became very spiteful. I often remember, you know, the movie uh, Dracula or whatever it was, where, you know, you, you have this warrior who lost his lover and was, you know, spited by God per se or felt he was and then turn all of this anger towards God and, and be, you know, became this, this dark, vile creature. Well, I think these, these stories have a, a ring of truth in a small percentage. And the reason why we come up with these concepts is because that inner knowing tells us there's a, there's a higher truth to things. So in the sense of free will, if one wants to grow and become very spiritually powerful, there can be a point where they, they can turn due to circumstances they refuse to accept or, or understand or refuse to, to understand and want to change the greater will of the universe. And because they can't, they become spiteful. So most dark entities have harnessed this ability, have harnessed their anger, their um, frustrations, whatever you will. And then what happens is that they, they seclude themselves. They, in a sense, stay in a physical plane because anger tends to be a very physical energy. It doesn't let you really move into these higher planes, as I was saying to you. So they, they tend to stay in our physical plane, but as, as intensive energy beings, they don't have a sense of time as we have a sense of time because they're made of energy. So it's not like, like 100 years feels like 100 years to them, okay? And when their space is infringed upon, our human beings kind of go into their space they're angry. They're, they 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 want to be isolated. They're they're spiteful. Um, you know, there's other beings who 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 are, are growing, and they they see that growth. And in in some cases, because a lot of times dark entities don't even react to you. They could be there completely, and they they just don't care. But sometimes they just feel that you're infringing on their space somehow, some way. Or a spiritual person might sense them or detect them, and then they're trying to communicate, not knowing what it is they're they're really communicating with. And then there's this backlash of, of anger. Hence all your stories about Ouija boards and spirit contact and all these things. You know, it's it's innocent enough, but this is where you get your whole stories about possession and attack and deep. These entities are, are more or less reacting in a negative way, and, and this is where you get the intensity from. Are there any qualities to people that would make them more prone to people's or entities' psychic attack? Oh, absolutely. Most spiritual people will demonstrate a level of what I call empathic abilities. Empathic abilities really is a, a sensory or a form of telepathy, if you will. And we'll, we'll go into that in another course, where you can pick up the other person's emotions. You feel people. And so if, if they're depressed, you feel the depression and you internalize it as if it's your own. But somewhere that, that higher knowing that I keep referring to kind of knows it's from somewhere else. But your biological brain, if it's not trained, accepts it as your own depression and reacts to it. And the same thing goes for, for happiness, for negativity, anger, whatever. You, you tend to pick this up from other people. And this is what I call selective energy because if you remotely give your mind to someone, you'll start to feel them for And a lot of people don't realize they're doing it. They just think it's them and then they're all haywire in their head or emotionally. And they don't know why they're always on an emotional roller coaster. It's not them. It's because it's you're sampling from all these other people's issues. So these people... Obviously, when, when they go into a home where an entity could be residing or an environment or in a field or, or a graveyard, for that matter, or any place where, where these entities may be trying to find some seclusion, as much as they're going to pick up on these entities, they may not realize what these entities' intensity is really about. And, and in some way, I find that empathic people are very healing or nurturing. In other words, they, they want to help. They feel this, this instinct to assist 
So in the process of wanting to assist, their good intentions is what invokes this negative intention response back to them because they don't really know what they're getting into. They're, they're feeling it and they're like, well, I know there's trouble and I want to help. And of course, there's different levels of empathic people. It's not so much what their ability is. It's more or less how well they're, they're aware of their ability and what they're doing with it. And that will determine what kind of trouble they're going to get into if, if that's the case, if that happens. What does a psychic attack affect the brain or the mind? It's going to probably affect both. Your physical body is, is combined in with your energy body. Or energy reacts with your physical body so you can move, touch, smell, do all these things. It's a, it's a two-way system. So if your energy's affected, then so is your physical body going to, to react in most cases. You know, sometimes when you go into a house or you go into a haunted place or you go to a place where, where there's paranormal stuff, sometimes you get a, a chill through your body. And I often refer to that as being an energy being moving through you, Okay. It moves through you because your, your, your physical field, your nervous system, reacts to the change in, in energy, per se. And it, and it communicates it by a chill or, you know, a chill up your, your spine, as they say, or your back. So there's certain truths to all that. So, so psychic attack or spiritual attack or energy is energy-based, okay? But your physical body so tied into your energy to work with it, much like how my hands are moving or how my mind works. So, so it is going to somehow relay through the brain it's going to be physically expressed in, in many ways. In either case, not only will it affect you physically, but there can be serious damage to your energy fields of your body also. Can you psychically attack things other than people? Sure, you can certainly attack entities, yes. I think most people feel helpless against entities in a, in a defense way. And I don't like the idea of teaching people how to attack an entity because it's you know, I, I don't want somebody to go around like, you know, now looking to pick a fight with an entity. My my whole purpose here is the same thing as like martial arts. It's, it's really about self-defense. And in the process of defending yourself, you may have to suppress whatever the problem is. And really, that's the intention here. But absolutely, you can definitely uh, go on the offensive or defensive with an entity if, if, if you choose. Can you also attack physical objects or materials like your TV or house? Like short their fuse or damage them somehow? Well, as I've taught in other classes, it's absolutely possible to program objects. An object will, will take in energy. We are physical but energy-based. You hold an object, you, you will an emotion into it, and you've, you've literally programmed this object. So when another person takes it and they hold it, their energy field, if they're unaware of, of how energy works, they're going to feel a certain way and they're going to react to what they're feeling. So in a sense, if it was to be a very negative effect, it's, it's going to affect that person. On other levels, I mean, there's many cases where, where electrical items are constantly shorted in paranormal places and stuff like that. Once you start to deal on, on levels of energy, the, the possibilities are endless. It's, it's just as limited as, as, as what you believe it is. What is psychic vampirism? Psychic vampirism is when a, another person or entity taps your your field of energy or your mana as they say um your your life energy your life energy is kind of some energy that's between your physical energy or your physical organic body which would be your lower energy that makes it function and it's in between your higher energy which is your dimensional body it's kind of like this fuel that kind of keeps things all alive in your well-being it communicates to the cells of your body it's an interreactive kind of energy and it's highly important 
this energy comes from trees, from nature, from life, from from God. It's it's prana like. It's what you've collected for prana also. You know which prana, you know mana. It, it's it's kind of interrelated. So a person who has very low energy, instead of finding energy in life and in nature, they have unconsciously in most cases because they're not really aware that they're doing this. Okay. Um, Will will come over to visit you, and they will drain that energy from you. I'll, I'll give you a, a basic concept. Uh, let's say you have a lot of energy. You're ready to go out for the day. You're excited, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You're kind of putting your clothes on. You're you know you want to get out, and you have a, a friend stop by, and they have very low energy. They sit down, and they're talking to you for a while, and it's kind of you know miscellaneous stuff. And all of a sudden, they're starting to get more energized. They're getting all pumped up talking to you and feeling good, and you are probably unconsciously aware of it, but you start to sink into the, the, the couch and you're starting to feel a little bit mopier. And they're like, well, you know what? i got to get going. See you later. So they leave. And then all of a sudden, you've lost all of your ambition to get up and go on with your own day. And in other words, they've taken your, your, your life force energy or they've diminished it. And this is now being affected in a physical way because your body doesn't know the difference necessarily between your physical energy from food Versus energy spiritually, there's such a connection, especially for those of us who are more spiritually evolved somehow, okay? It affects us even more so than the average person. We react to it in a physical way. The brain starts to impose on us that it must be one and the same, so so it makes us feel tired. So how this looks to me with energy and, and just, just observing it on rare occasions... It, I always think of like mist going over vegetables at a, at a vegetable uh, stand in, in a grocery store. You can see this energy kind of moving across and it, and it kind of gathers into the other person in their, in their lower kind of chi area, if you will. And, and they're, just, they're just drawing it, sapping it from you. Or when they hold you or, 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 or close, that's a very powerful sapping period. So there's different methods of when this is happening. And of course, there's a very simple uh, resolve to this to prevent this from happening. Just think about your lower chakra point, just below your belly button or your chi center. And the second that you think about it, you don't even have to touch it. Just just thinking about it actually pulls your energy in, and it tells it you you know don't don't sensory out, don't flow out to other people. It's because that that energy field is about drawing energy. So what you're doing is you're you're countering any effect that may be happening to you. You're really just reversing that energy. And in fact, if you intensify it long enough with the intent that you want to take it from somebody else, you can literally take that person's energy. And then that now becomes a form of psychic attack on your half. Or you could call it defense, de- de- depending on what you decide what their intention is. And what you'll do is, is you're focusing on that part with, with the intention in your mind of drawing energy from other people. What's going to happen is you'll see them getting tired and you're going to start feeling, you know, higher, feeling like you've got more energy. And literally, you can watch this happening. Are most people that would be considered psychic vampires aware of their actions? Most psychic vampires are not aware of their actions. They do it completely unconsciously. But we all know psychic vampires. We, we know them. We refer to them, that person's very draining or there's, there's something about them that tires me out or they're just too much. I, I just want to get away from this person. So again, that internal knowing that I keep referring to already knows that. It's just about being conscious, awake, to to, to sense what you're feeling and, and understand why it's doing what it's doing. Most people, their energy is pretty good. They're, they either receive nature very well or they just have a natural flow with, with, with pranic energy in life. Uh, there's, there's not a, a switch there. Most psychic vampires, it begins psychological. 
psychologically, there is a point in them of despair. I don't want to say that they're needy people, but but I guess that's what I'm kind of saying. They emotionally need support 24-7. Um, it could be because biologically or biochemically in their brain, there's a lot of depression. And instead of, of centering it inside of themselves and coping with it, what they've learned to do is kind of consciously but without realizing they're doing it, they sap other people. What's initially their intent is to get emotional support or feel feel loved or wanted or acknowledged or feeling that somebody likes them even, okay? They go out and they seek that out. But in their neediness of this desire, they've also now are tapped in on a subconscious level of, of draining that person's energy. And they will actually go and set out to to go from household to household to visitation to visitation. But one of the things they don't like is is group settings. They prefer usually to visit or, or be with that person on singular levels. Um, and that's probably more unconscious than anything else. But it's just something I, I would say that, that that I notice a lot with them is they, they prefer to visit one-on-one. It's almost like they're shy. Do you see what I'm saying? I suspect that they themselves are aware of what they're doing and they know it's not a good thing, but they're doing it anyway and ignoring the fact that they're doing it. And they're afraid of other people being around observing it because they can only concentrate on one or two people at a time when this happens. So it's not something you can just do in a, in a crowd because people would, would react to that and you'd know there's something wrong. You don't want to be near that person. And then, of course, you start saying, well, why do you like that person? Why are you around them? There's something internally inside of you that says there's a danger there. And some people just cannot be vamped at all. Um, but that's because... It's again their psychological nature. They they feel that and they're like, you know, look, I, I really don't have time to hang out with you. I've got to go. And they handle it in their own way, but they can feel that that energy drain going on immediately. They they naturally pull it in. Does non thought play a role in psychic defense or attack? When you have non thought, you you are at a much higher level of being protected. It's like when I say when you meditate, I don't care if the hordes of hell are coming in. It ain't going to affect you as long as you can have – and it doesn't mean you have to have a perfect meditation during this. But when you have non-thought and you, you have peace in you, you remove yourself really from emotional states. You have a balance inside of you. You have clarity. And when you have those three things, you have one definite thing that's happening, a communion with, with God, the force, the ultimate, the ultimate being of the universe. So in essence, when you have that kind of clarity – there's just nothing that can come near you. You you are a beacon of light. You are a beacon of vibration. If you will that out of you at that point and you can maintain that state of consciousness, it's going to be like a giant ocean wave washing everything that's that's dark and negative around you. You're just going to flush it with, with just pure light, pure energy, pure pure godness is the only thing that I can describe it as. Nothing, nothing, nothing can approach you if you remain in that state of mind. You are a doorway at that point for God to come out or for light to come out. You become this center point of beauty. When you have psychic attack, in many cases it affects your energy field and it goes and it has to cycle through the brain. So if the brain is being controlled from babbling, it doesn't have a, a regular way to process to, to affect you physically. So if it tries to affect you energy, it can't really do much to you because here you are, again, this, this movement of, of energy coming from the inside of you out because you, you're harmonizing with God. So that's obviously the absolute most dominant energy. So so even if red dye was going into a sponge, if you were pouring milk from the other side into it with little drops of red, 
what's going to happen? As long as you've got this huge flow, the red drops are just going to be overpowered. They're going to eventually stop, and it's just going to keep flushing it away. It just cannot grab hold. And even if it does, it's purged, literally purged. Does mindfulness play a role in psychic defense or attack, and is it the same thing as non-thought? Mindfulness absolutely plays um, a big part in it because mindfulness keeps you extra aware of what's going on. It's keeping you aware of the subtle energies around you. It's instead of not knowing why you're feeling tired talking to someone, you're you're literally aware. You're like, you know, I boy, I, this person's pulling my energy. I can feel it. I can sense it. And you're like, well, I don't want that to happen. As soon as you realize what's going on, you you, you almost unconsciously affect the opposite to happen. It's it's self-preservation. It's the same reason why you don't want to fall off of a cliff, okay? As, if you can recognize something, it doesn't really take a lot of effort to protect yourself. Um, it's just a matter of can you recognize it. So mindful is to remain as aware as possible or conscious as possible. And to not be mindful means that you're kind of automated in, in the Gaia mind or the matrix or whatever, doing your, your job and reacting to people in a set uh, mannerism that you know is appropriate. How are you doing? I'm fine. Thank you for asking. The traditional formats of communicating are what's expected of you in a social circle. Most people just kind of operate. They're not even really conscious of the moment. And in only in rare cases are you conscious. If somebody can say something that's interesting, you, you might give them a more conscious level to communicate what's, what's going on, and then eventually you settle back into your remote kind of process. So being mindful means that you, you are attempting to remain very conscious of everything that's happening in your environment, the intentions of other people. It's not that you're even specifically focused on anything. It's just that if anything out of the ordinary happens that would get under your radar, your radar's so intense now, you're, you're very aware of it. What can you do with other people's psychic attacks? Can you use them against the person attacking you? Well, what I often believe in is I, I believe what's, what is good for the, uh, the goose is good for the gander, or what's good for the gander is good for the goose. I often when somebody throws negative energy at me, I tend to take this concept of reversing it and sending it back. I just kind of just take the energy and I, I just deflect it back. But I, there is a cynical level to me. And the cynical level to me is usually when they send energy, it comes in what I call a stream. So that, that it kind of hits you and hits you and hits you. And I guess my cynical nature is I take it all and I it's like I condense it into one wallop and I throw it back. So, of course, it's more intense when I send it back to them than what they could do to me. But I'm really sending the whole of their intentions really just in one shot. So it's, it's going to probably be more devastating. But I also feel that if you're negative enough to do this to me, then, then it's your just deserves. And that's how I feel about it. It's not that I really want to make them, you know, sick or ill or do really harm to them. But I, I figure what they, what their intentions were for me is just as fair that they should have their, their own intentions for themselves. Um, how I serve that up isn't a matter of because I want to be more intensive. I mean, I'll be very honest with you, and it, it may sound arrogant, but I don't want to spend 30 minutes focusing on this person to throw negative energy at them. So I just, ha if I have the capability to just kind of wrap it up in a 30-second thought or a 10-second thought and just compile it back at them, that's why I do it that way. And and let them deal with it. If they if they want to put that much time and energy into into doing it to this way to me, then 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 it is what it is. Does psychically attacking someone or even attacking in defense 
Does that affect karma? Again, we've discussed karma, and it's it's not exactly what what it looks like, but in a sense, yes, okay. But I would say this: you could say to me, "Well, Eric, obviously you choose to send back what's sent to you, so you stay within the guidelines of reasonability." In other words, of course, I want to want to, you know, who are you to do this to me? You know, you know, I'll just zap you. You know what I'm saying? But I, I also believe in the preservation of life. I believe that people make errors, they make mistakes, they, they act upon incorrect information, um, whatever, whatnot. So I maybe reacted to something, and I, I need to, to stay within a more passionate state of mind, uh, a more forgiving state. Instead of, of really just attacking you know them for attacking me, but with a hundredfold more intensity, this is why I say it's fear to send back what they what the just deserves were. All I'm doing and and, and catch the, the, the safety measures in the statement, okay, I'm sharing with you, is simply sending back what they sent to me. That's all I'm doing. I'm just saying, hey, I'm sending this back to the source. Now I might be condensing it and it's it is my little wallop back. That's that's my little well, this is what you get for doing this to me. Do you see what I'm saying? But the universe says, well, it's an exchange of energy, they've returned the energy. It doesn't matter how it came back, you know. It's so yes, I'm I'm intensifying it, but I'm intensifying it with a very strong sense of, of reserve. I certainly could do a lot more damage if I intended to. Is there a difference in your intention of sending it back as opposed to somebody who wanted to get revenge? Well, there, there's two circumstances. One, the reason why you get attacked is because you're not on guard. Okay, you're not you're not using your skills from high guard if that were the case because you wouldn't be able to be attacked. You wouldn't even be aware of it. You you your your energy field would be just so strong. It's 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 like rain on a a big rooftop. You don't even know it's raining out. Do you see what I'm saying? It's it's like nothing. It's like pebbles. If you're not aware of it and you're you you haven't been practicing your energy fields and shielding and clearing out your energy, well then you're much more vulnerable. Okay, and in that particular case. You know, you may react to it as it's dealt out to you. So, so to say that that you you would you wouldn't necessarily be doing it consistently. You do it once, and then you're going to go, okay, now that I've done that, I probably should expect something else to happen. Would logic would dictate. So here I'm going to set up my structure, and then I get on with my life and forget about this. Why should I dwell on this and let it internalize me negatively? Wise when when I can say they they need to deal with that situation and whatever their issues are, and you move on knowing that it can't affect you. But it's Everything, almost everything that you learn in anything I teach really boils down to one thing, consistency. As long as we are in a physical world, you could say that time is established by deterioration. Everything is affected by time in a sense for our reality. A mountain will become a desert. Uh, uh, hills will, will rise to mountains. We, we start off young. We grow old. There, there is a cycle of change. So most things, all things, even spiritually, need maintenance. They need a maintenance level. They need a maintenance schedule. So you have to, to tune yourself up and maintain things on a reasonable level, and you will never have a problem. It's the same thing goes for a car or, or a house or, or anything. It's, it's very similar. Your, your energy, because you're, you're constantly taking in information with your five senses, or even in this case, your sixth sense, because this, this information comes in, it's constantly affecting you psychologically. Psychologically affects your, your brain, your mind, which then reacts to your personal energy. So you may have something devastating happen in your life that, that makes you very depressed. Your energy fields are probably dropping because from internally now you're affecting it. 
So hence the, the, the rebooting of the system or meditating gives you a very good clear energy field, purges you, but now you need to, to set up some structures of energy and check them every few days or something to, to make sure you just re, you rework with them. If a beginner is sending energy back, could they accidentally do it with negative intentions? Is it important to do this with a compassionate intention? Well, I would like to say this. Um, some people I, I would deal with in a way that I'm sending back their energy that they've dealt with me, they have that intention. But my rule always is you always react based upon, if you're at, at least my level or, or, or reasonable level, or if you have a knowing of what's going on, you react to the person based upon what, what their capabilities are. If they are evolved spiritually and energy-wise and they deserve what, what they get, they kind of know really intentionally what the deal is and sent it out to you to do harm, I send it back. If the energy is coming from like this person who, who I was referring to earlier, okay, who is throwing this negative energy at me, I can kind of sense that this is not really from someone who, who is psychically developed. It's a different kind of energy, and you'll, you'll know that. It's a kind of inner knowing. I don't send back, you know, oh, you know, here's your, your energy back intensely. I usually try to create a sense of positive energy and reflect it so that so that maybe they sit back and they go, well, maybe this person isn't as bad as I thought, or maybe I'm overreacting, or now that I'm calm, maybe I should find forgiveness in me, or I feel the sense of love from this person and it's changed me. And I would certainly encourage that over anything, okay? But different circumstances create different things. And I would always like to say that being passionate is always the best way. But, you know, sometimes, and I, I hate to say this, but sometimes being passionate gets you killed. You know, you, you want good attention, but somebody's so intent in doing you harm that as you're trying to send this this, this positive energy, you're, you're just taking a beating to your energy and and damaging to your to your physical cells of your body because you're you're trying to be very passive with this person. So you have to rationalize what level of response is is really reasonable. So even if you are sending it and and taking care of the situation, it's not necessary to put more energy, more of your own energy into the returning of theirs. I don't really put a lot of energy into it. I I tend to to take the energy that's sent and send it back. I mean, I'll give you a little trick about uh, one of the, the tricks to high guard that you'll learn. Um, one of the things that I do is I feel that any unnecessary energy is just really food for me. Um, I call it the great converter. Um, when people throw negative energy at me, I have set up my energy field in such a way that it's kind of like a, like one of those water filters. If you, you pour Coca-Cola in one side of the water filter, I'm really not interested in Coca-Cola. It's like, let's say it's dark, sweet, caramel, sugar, whatever. But there's a high level of water in there. You know, it's like 90-some-odd percent water, let's say. So when it goes through the whole filtration, what comes out in the water is, is pure water at the bottom. What I'm saying is I usually let energy hit me if it's negative, but it's really juicing me up. So I'm like, you know, throw, throw whatever you want, do whatever you want, it's okay. And I convert it into energy for me. And, and to me, it's, it's the greatest... Uh, Thing. I, I let them continue with their negative energy, and in the meantime, I, I don't have to search for resources or tapping into to prana as often or thinking about it because it, it's just naturally cycling, cycling through me. Does that make sense? And, I, and I'll teach that technique. But I always say be clever about 
how you do things you know why you know be lazy do it easy you know do it the easy way you know i look at negative energy as being a great resource of energy you know i mean it's just perception it's to say you can look at garbage and you can say it's garbage no my you know or find a way of recycling it into energy that can be useful so i don't really spend a lot of time really throwing negative beyond and you know i'm only speaking of certain instances because it's it's a way of teaching you guys for, for where you're at and my job is really to provide information untainted my job is to give you the facts as i see them higher balance presents high guard the art of energy defense part two of four can you briefly explain scanning and is this a psychic attack no scanning is not a psychic attack i mean uh, scanning is more or less is to acquire information about an, an individual or a being or an environment etc uh, scanning is, is a sense of collecting data or information. It's a form of telepathy. So it's not a form of psychic attack. Attack would be simply that, attack. I mean, I don't know if you want to look up the definition of attack, but it, it means to, in, in my opinion, is to have an intention of suppressing or damaging or to to have some effect that's going to to be negative to the other person, something undesirable. Can you use high guard while projecting, like astral projecting? It would it would call for some unique consideration and, and a slight adaptation to the circumstances, but yes. Can you use more than one level of high guard at the same time? Yes, you can combine different systems at the same time. Again, it's more like it needs to be layered, like you do one thing, then the next, and the next if you want to combine things. I wouldn't necessarily say do two things at one time if, if they've been taught as separate. Uh, usually, most of the high guard techniques are, are encompassing uh, several different formulas to create the whole process. So there, there is a set reason for the quality of the outcome so that it's not really diminished in any way by, by inducing too many techniques in, into one. So we'll, we'll start off with the pyramid. Pyramid is probably one of the most useful psychic defense systems possible, and it has most definitely... Uh, in my youth, significantly protected me from, from some very intensive uh, negative beings. The pyramid is basically, again, it's about using your energy. And, and like all of these techniques, they're semi-visually based, they're energy based. And what you're doing is by invoking certain emotions or certain thoughts, depending on what we're doing, it's going to program your energy to be receptive or at least informative of what it needs to do. Doing defensive energy things, is there's nothing terribly elaborate about it. The bottom line is, is nobody thinks about doing it. That's what makes you vulnerable. Or you don't know how, how or what a concept would be to do it. So therefore, because there's, there's no response to being attacked spiritually, you, don't, you, you just kind of take the beat and you take the pummel or you, you deal with and you cope with it because you don't know exactly what's happening to you. So if you don't know how to defend yourself or what the process is, then, then you really can't. The pyramid is basically a concept of where you clear your mind. You may sit down into what would be your meditation uh, position that you have learned from the foundation set and just begin by clearing your mind, having as much clarity as possible. And you want to begin by focusing on breathing in slowly through your nose and then maybe out your mouth. And then what you want to do is you want to begin envisioning that there is prana in the environment, meaning energy. 
and then give it some kind of texture or color, you know, make it into to silver bits of energy or whatever. It's not important what you visualize it as, as much as your intention is to say, I'm representing this to me as prana or what I want to have happen. And you recognize this is a very good and positive energy. Okay, that's what matters to your energy field is that you're really reverse engineering your thinking. Instead of trying to take something dimensionally and trying to take it in physically, you're trying to make something physical into dimensional so that so that you can have a receptor to, to make your brain and your mind bridge in a connection to what's happening. And what you want to do is you want to begin to visualize that prana is moving into you, just like little little beads of beads of, of light just streaking into you very quickly from all over, an infinitive amount. And you want now, with your mind kind of centered in the center of your physical body, and you want to imagine that like this, this silver light is being built, like this bar of light from inside of you is, is developing, and it's made of light. And then what you're going to do is you're going to slowly now, as you breathe in, see it expanding as it's filling you. Seeing it expanding, expanding, expanding until it's reaching outside of your body. Okay, it's just like it's like coming out of every pore of your skin ever, out of every molecular structure of your body. It's all pure energy now. You just see your entire body as being molecular structure. All the organic bodies, even they're made out of molecular structure. And you become pure energy. This white light begins to fill your whole body, begins to look like it's a white being of light. And now you're going to expand it even beyond you. It's going to start to expand outward and higher up and below you. And you're going to let this energy now take on the shape of a pyramid. And most people, when you think of pyramid, they think of uh, three triangles and a bottom. A pyramid has a bottom and four sides. So what you want to do is you, you let this energy almost drop down as if there was a, a glassed shape structure that you were sitting in, floating in the center. And you're going to be in the middle of it, okay? And what you're going to do now is you're going to see this energy moving down and expanding to the four corners of the base of the pyramid and filling outward the four edges and then rising above your head by several feet. And it's going to, to fill that space until it's a perfect triangle, okay? And you're going to fill it now with this absolute white energy. And then you're going to take that energy and you're going to give it one final touch. And you're going to switch to your heart chakra. And you're just going to feel this intense amount of love and happiness. And you're just going to permeate that energy around you with that energy. And what you're going to do then is you're going to say, so it is. And by saying so it is or any formula of that that you want to say, whatever you feel comfortable with, means it's so, it's done. So mote it be per se, okay? It is to say that it's complete, it's solid, my work is done. It's that simple, but of course the process should take about 15 minutes or so. Now, what this does is, remember what I said to you about meditating and it being the highest state that you could possibly be in to defend your energy, nothing can kind of hit you or attack you, just boom, moves right through you. Well, what you're doing now is you're you're taking a quality of that energy, you're you're building it up around you, and now you've just told this energy to stay around your body as a barrier. So now you get up, you walk through life, you deal with your situation, and what it's really doing is it's preventing all of these negative energies from even being able to to affect you. It's literally you have all these these energy barriers that are preventing it from being able to affect you just as if you were sitting and meditating all day long. Hence, you're going to need maintenance. 
okay? And the better job that you do with your focusing and, and your, your vibration and the clarity of your mind and what your intention is, the better your pyramid field is going to be. Now, I often say that my pyramid field is also self-expanding and retractable. What I mean is if you're sitting and you do your meditation, if you look at the size differentiation, what you have to say to yourself, when I, when I stand up, it will expand to always be X amount of feet over my head and X amount of feet into the ground. Do you see what I'm saying? I say that when I, when I walk and I move through a room, if there's negative beings standing by the couch and I, I walk past it, it's going to be like a plow. It's just going to push them out of the way. It's just going to move through objects like an energy static field. It's always around me, and all I have to do is feed it once or, or twice you know, uh, in a day, a week, or whatever the circumstances may demand. So you cannot think in terms of physicalness or, or how we perceive ourselves. You get to think in terms of energy being able to permeate all environments. Now, I'll tell you, one of the things that I also do is when I meditate, if I want to purge my home, of any negative energy or usually when I move into a new house or, or something to that effect or apartment, I don't know what kind of energy is in there, what, what the intentions are or whatever. And I, I don't want to have to, to be concerned about it. So again, by meditating and focusing on this, this kind of energy, I take the pyramid and instead of just expanding it around my body, I create one around my entire home that takes the entire property up deep into the ground, high above the house, deep within the barriers of the home and I permeate it with this energy and this intention and this vibration. And in essence, it prevents negative energy even coming into my household, especially when there are guests in my home or, or visiting or sleeping over and such. Um, but there is a, a certain level. And of course, like anything, it needs to be maintained, you know, and sometimes I forget about it and you might get some interesting energy to come around because of things that go on here. And, um, you know, and other times I know, okay, well, we got to re-strengthen re this and I'll come back to it in another month and we'll see how it's doing. What do you feel about these people who build pyramid structures and hang them above their beds and such? What you're really asking me is, do I think there's any truth to their effects? I would have to say I believe that there's some true effects. I think that some of it has been over-exaggerated and I think in some truth there there is. I think that pyramids affect subtle energies, okay? Therefore, I think that on an energy level... Uh, they certainly are effective. I think that if you're going to use a, a pyramid for other effects, I, I, I think that the, the, the more you get into a physical sense, that it's, it's going to become a whole different arena. If there was a physics to spirituality, pyramids are more effective on a spiritual energies or conscious energy or mind energies than they are going to be strictly on a physical level for this dimension, for this level of physics. So those pyramids would serve mostly as a reminder of a person's intention or goal? Right. It's more mental of how you're manipulating the, the energies around your body. Is there a difference between creating a pyramid with energy that's cultivated internally as opposed to collecting energy from an external source? Yes, there, there is absolutely a reason why you internalize your energy from taking prana in and then you build from this thin thread. You know, the mind is very psychological, and, and therefore what works for the mind can also have an effect in you. And what you what some people would think is, well, if I put a pyramid around me, what if this energy is inside with me? You know, now I just encased it inside of me. So what you're really doing is by creating this thin level of energy and working your way out, it's like a big snowplow. You're purging everything out from inside right out. I mean, it's, it's, it's essentially foolproof. Okay, and that's what you want. You want the highest level of guaranteed. I've I've done the best job that I can do for the moment, and I feel confident it's done a very good job. 
And that's what you're after. So by internalizing it from the very center and creating this thin line and then expanding, if there there was a presence around you or in the room and you don't, you know you don't want to think that you've encased something inside with you, and you also want to create the best quality energy you can too. So forget about having something inside with you. You just want to make sure you, you're surrounded with the best energy that you can. Why a pyramid? Why not a cube or a sphere? Well, a pyramid... Again, this is this knowing, okay? Now, I would say that in circum certain circumstances, uh, and, and, and maybe someday I'll, I'll go into it. I don't feel the necessity right now. A orb is basically going to be the most universal structure. But because we are in a physical reality and we're dealing with creating ourselves dimensionally, okay, pyramid structures, when you think about them, have some kind of significance to harnessing energy. Okay, it's an internal knowing inside of us again that I keep referring to. Okay, when you see a, an orb, you don't really feel that. When you see a square box, you feel maybe a sense of security. Okay, but a pyramid structure seems to give all the effects of of a squared box. It gives the effect of of the circular. It gives the effect of energy. It gives it has everything, and there's a reason because it's it's very copacetic, very very um understandable of our physical nature and our spiritual energy it's almost it's as if it's able to, to work with both fields and that's what it does um on a physical level there's there's a, a a structure security to it like the box offers but there's also this pyramid thing which almost gives you the sense to be able to move through different dimensions or if another dimension tries to affect you that it's able to respond in that dimension or a different dimension and it's the best way I could, could really explain it. it. It serves a very universal and defined purpose. If we were in our dimensional body purely and we were no longer on this physical earth, then I would say don't utilize this pyramid kind of structure. You would probably use more of an orb. Do you have to be in a specific posture when creating the pyramid? I would say that in the beginning you want to to create this field of energy the best you can, and that means being as relaxed as you can. Um, but there's no limit to the possibilities. I mean, you can do it standing up, you can do it walking, you can do it at the snap of a, of a dime if you're mental disciplined enough. It's really the details that count. So you don't want to be disturbed. You don't want to have somebody talking to you in the process. You, you want to be able to, to develop this as perfectly as you can. And the more detail that you give the process as you slowly do it, the higher the quality that it's going to be. Do you follow me? If you do a quick job, well, it's just like everything in life. You do something quick, what is the quality of it usually? It's probably not very good. If you take your time and you put your time and energy into something, you have something that's probably made perfect. Let's say you're in a situation where you're you're walking and there's all sorts of negative energy or, or whatever going on or you feel like this is kind of, I mean, you can just instant, just the thought of it kind of zips out and it's it's just up. But that comes from practice. That comes from initially practicing this method and putting time into it. Can your pyramid interfere with someone else's pyramid? Well, they're both made out of the same material. They're they're not going to sap off of one another. They're not going to drain one another, but it, it's kind of like, you know, it's it's like an intermingling of, of two very friendly energies. Unless someone's pyramid is, is going to be made of something very negative, then there would be, uh, uh, you know, definitely something that's going to feel, again, like two magnets repelling off of each other. Can you include other people inside your pyramid? Absolutely. You're as limited as your consciousness allows. So what about creating a pyramid around a place that you're not in? 
for instance, your mother's house? Then I would say you are the center of the expansion. So you would go to your mother's house, you would sit down, you'd meditate, and you would build this pyramid, and you would you could leave, you could come and go. And again, it's programmable. You would say this is my intention without saying it. You you obviously sit down to leave the pyramid. You're not going to take it with you. So it knows to remain it. You've programmed that environment. If you build a pyramid around you, you know that it's supposed to stay around you wherever you go. So it's not even something you really have to give thought to. It's already kind of pre-programmed as your intention. Most energy in life has no intention. There's no there's no set program behind it. It's usually human beings that end up unwittingly programming their feelings or emotions. It's like someone's clothing, you wear it, you feel like like it's them on you until you're saturated. You go into someone's house, you can feel a certain vibe or feeling about their house. Energy has no intention, okay? But it's constantly developing and building, okay? So again, like in some of the other classes that I've taught, uh, light, sound, heat, cold is saturating inside of objects. In essence, you're taking objects that are feeling like water inside the sponge and, and swelling, but your intention is going to be blue dye will have this blue effect, and it takes the energy and it converts it. It's not that there's more blue dye. It converts the water to become blue with it. It tints it, and that becomes the intention. So this goes for everything. So a house is filled with energy, but it takes very little intention to fill it and, and make it consume. Just like a little drop of a blue dye might make, make a, a whole gallon tinted with blue. That's That doesn't have any. When you build a pyramid, you're very intensely programming it to be shielding. And your intention in the back of your head is this is for protection. This is going to prevent what? It's going to prevent any psychic information or, or, or attacks or, or negativity from getting in. Although you also have internalized, if it's positive energy, it's welcome. So you're doing more than you're even aware that you're doing. But you, you set the premise by sitting down and, and, and building this energy. So you're literally doing a, a technique that we'll go into later, but you're you're programming your environment on a very intensive level, and you're taking it to a, a very big level, and that's the point of that. Does the color or texture that you visualize the pyramid to be, does that matter? Well, I've always suggested to people to see it as white, and white signifies to us a sense of holiness, purity, clarity, um, something that cannot be tainted, something that doesn't have any one or, or, or two intentions. It's just it's pure. When we, when we think of heaven, we think of, of something white all the time. When we think about uh, absolute emptiness, it's usually white that we, we kind of think of, or black in some cases. But, but white seems to signify something of, of a purity to us or clarity. And therefore, you want to work with the simplest but the most powerful of concepts. And when I say white light, just because I know people are going to ask, I mean literally white. I mean like like so white, it's like a white wall. And when you think of light, you think light as being bright but see-through. Imagine it then like sunlight, like if you were looking into the sun, it's white light, but it, it fills where you can't permeate through it. That's the kind of light I'm talking about. So intensive that, that it's so thick that you can't see through it, or you can, but it almost looks like if you were to see through it that you can only see the silhouette of the person within it. When you're building your pyramid, should you pick a spot like you do when you meditate? Well, in this particular case, I, it's a yes and no. I mean, if you're building your own energy, fine. Work in your own spot as your, as your meditation. I think that's perfectly fine. But I also say, you know, you want to have diversity and different challenges. So you, you're always up to your, your game, per se. So if you're ever in a situation 
that's unusual, you've, you've kind of uh, given yourself some endurance training so that you can react to a negative situation, whether you're in the mall or you're, you're at someone's house or you're, you're out in the forest. But, you know, sometimes these energies can come upon you without you even knowing it. You, you have to be able to, to do what you need to do. So I would say go to different areas and practice. Is there a benefit to focusing on a specific chakra when building your pyramid? Um, there is a benefit to focusing on your lower chakra and, of course, your heart chakra in the end, okay? It's not so much an intellectual thing as it is something that has to be for physical and dimensional energy. So right away, it's also about constructing. So you want to use your energy that's more constructive, meaning your lower chakra, just below the belly button. And your final, most intensive uh, programming should be, you know, your heart chakras so that other people will feel this energy. All they're going to feel is this very positive energy from you. And this helps with people to react to you very positive. Is your personal pyramid an extension of your aura? No, it's it's can be combined with your aura because your energy field is going to be more prone to, to working with it. But it's not necessarily part of your, your aura field, but you, you could say it is because it, they're definitely interfibered. If someone moves through your pyramid, would they be affected or would it affect the pyramid? Well, yes, they could be affected. Um, usually, it, it won't affect them unless they have bad intention for you. It, it's designed to protect you. So as long as it doesn't feel that there's any level of threat, it's not going to, to deal with it. You can, you can walk through it, but if you're immersed in it and you all of a sudden have a negative thought or feeling, that person's going to be perched out. They're going to probably get a bad headache or feel nauseated or 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 definitely feel like like there's something that just propelled them away from you okay um, sometimes people won't show that they're reacting to it but you can pretty much catch it in, in there they're, they like they don't realize what's going on they, they know something's just happened and it's 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 an ill effect but they don't know quite how to react to it so yes it will have an effect on other people but only if they have a negative intention for you if they have no intention for you, they're just people through the store or mall or coworkers. It's not going to be a problem. You know what I'm saying? Their field is going to go. But the second it senses that frequency that might be negative, it instantaneously will begin its repelling. What would be other circumstances you would want to use a pyramid for? Well, you want to use it if you're going to go into a place that, that you're not sure what you're getting into. Now, it doesn't have to be a place that's haunted, let's say, or, or something like that. It could be going into... Uh, a dance club where you don't know what kind of people are going to be in there. You, you, it, it could be before you go into a hostile environment. Let's say people are fighting, or you're you're going to separate two people from from fighting. Uh, you don't want them to really turn on you. It does have an effect on on people's psyche. Um, people react to people. You know, there's there's a, a lot of communication that goes on visually. I mean, there could be just a look in your eye, a movement of your your mouth structure, muscle. And when somebody wants to take it offensively, you know, they'll react. Some people, you know, what are you looking at? You know, uh, there's a level of stuff that's that's very limited that we, we react to on a subconscious level that's very physical. I also believe that there's an energy field that they may feel that intention from. So you're going in there to separate them. You could say in some ways you have intention towards them, and that's going to be to physically remove them, not that you want to do them harm. And they may react to that. 
okay? Or they may react to, to whatever subliminal things are going on or even your own fear of what's going to happen as you're interacting. Or you might go into a mall and interact with people and you're fearful because maybe you're not very social. By having a pyramid of energy up, it really filters a vast majority of the sensory field between people. So they can only really gather stuff physically, but anything that would have tipped them off a little bit higher is going to be energy reoriented, and that's not going to be there so much, or if at all. So it has a lot of advantages. How often and how long would you want to keep your pyramid up? Once you, you set it up, it's basically good for 24 to 72 hours, rule of thumb, okay? The better you do a job, the longer it's going to last. And you're, you're going to know when you need to build it again because you're going to feel it. You're going to, again, that internal knowing is going to say to you at some point, it's, it's time, you know. Because when you build it, one of the things you're saying to yourself or wondering is, I wonder how long it's going to last. So you just internalize a clock in that energy field without knowing. So there will come a point where you're walking, you're going to, maybe it's a day, maybe it's a week, and you're going to all of a sudden feel, oh, I better do my pyramid. It's going to like occur to you. Okay, well, the reason it's occurring to you because you set a timer when it's beginning to, to, to resonate a lower field of energy and you need to reconstruct it and, and, and power it again. So you, you will internalize that in knowing, or you can do it the other way and just have a regimented system where you do it, you know, maybe once a day in the beginning or once a week or, or whenever you feel it. But you will feel, once you do it, you go, you're going to feel the benefits of it. And as it becomes stronger and better, you're, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be as familiar to you as anything else. And when it's feeling, you're going to know. It's like if you weren't wearing a shirt, you would know. It, it's kind of the same way. You, you, you get used to it. Or like if you had a lot of hair at one point, you get a big haircut, you know, it's all coming off. You, you feel the vulnerability or the change of that until you adapt. And if you could put it all back on, you could, you could fix it to what felt comfortable. It's very much that same feeling. You'll, you'll know as you're progressing. Is there ever a point where you're focusing or expending too much energy in the creation of a pyramid? It doesn't take a lot for prana to fill this energy. I mean, prana is just an absolute universal, never-ending flow for the most part, okay? And what happens is you build this energy up so intensely, okay, in, in 15 minutes, okay, that after that you're draining your mental faculties with programming what you've already programmed it for. So some something in your head saying, oh, I've got to make it bigger, better, more powerful. It's got to be bigger. There's only so much you can put into it that's going to permanently make it what it is. The rest is maintenance. So it, it's kind of like filling up a gas tank. You can only put so much in there. If you keep pumping, it's just going to overflow. And in this case, you become exhausted by trying to, to keep rope reprogramming something that you, you've already programmed well enough. What are some examples of other things you could program your pyramid with? Well, you could program a, a pyramid around uh, a, a family pet. You can program that energy around your car. You can. The limitations are as limited as your imagination. You know, it's we're talking energy here. We're talking about programming subtle energies to have a purpose, and that that very much want a purpose. So it's it's really about what you want to transfix that onto. The limitations are as limited as as you want. Okay. I mean, let's say you wanted to put a pyramid around the Earth. Okay. There's so many other consciousnesses affecting that that it's almost an impossibility for the average person, okay? So you have to look within reason that's not going to have 10,000 people trying to affect it or, or, or unconsciously trying to affect it. 
So you can affect things that aren't necessarily going to be something consciously with everybody on it. So your car, a pet, whatever whatever you want to assist with. You can even use it in some cases to, to help people that are ill. You Instead of filling it with, with your heart energy when you're done, you fill it with your heart energy, but you also fill it with a program to, to see cellular structure, you know, be, being more healthy and, and, and taking on a healthier posture. Now, when you are affecting another human being, though, you have to keep in mind that because you're affecting them, they have to be very sympathetic or wanting or accepting of this program. Do you see what I'm saying? If they're not, you can't really invoke that on somebody else. Do you see what I'm saying? Because it's it's such a personal energy. Prana energy isn't necessarily going to work as as a, as a as a, an aggressor per se. And even though this this if this person doesn't want it, their energy is going to push it away. Do you see what I'm saying? Now you can invoke it on them, okay? But now you're getting into this whole dominating thing and an aggressive thing. Just just you're just putting your own spin on it. Has there ever been a time or place? where using the pyramid has a limited or ineffective result? It's like this. Let's say you want to have paranormal effect with, with entities and such, okay? If you're going to go out and investigate or put yourself in a situation where you want to communicate with, with potentially disturbed beings, okay, you may want to not really reinforce your pyramid so much, but then you're putting yourself at a level of you know, susceptibility, okay? Which again, you want to have that, you know, if you start panicking, okay? But it's, you know, it's so powerful that most entities really will feel it. It's because it almost has its own energy that emanates out of it like a light would. They, the closer they get to it, if they're negative energy, it's like a moth to a flame. You know, they, they really just know to, to stay away from it because it's going to really affect their energy field. So you might want to tone that down a bit because it is a bit standoffish to entities. Do you understand what I'm saying? Here you come in and you got this like intense energy field about you, you know, and it, it's, it could be very intimidating to an entity because they're not used to seeing that. They're not, they're used to seeing when they see you, it's kind of like this, this very dim kind of energy that's very transparent, kind of like how we see them in a sense. So here, all of a sudden, they, they're going to see this intense illuminated body, more or less, and they're going to see this very transparent, like, pyramid energy field that's, like, almost, like, rotating in a sense. And, you know, they, they I mean, if you've seen a person like that coming near you, you you'd be like, you know, uh, you know, you don't know what to make of it. Does the pyramid raise a flag for people that are more inclined towards an awareness of energy? Well, they're not going to be intimidated. If if they have positive energy, it's it's definitely a receptor. It's it's something that's desirable or or at least not offensive, you know, because its its intentions are, are purely good. But it's it's not going to affect them. Like say, hey, look at me, because it's not saying that. It's saying if you have a negative intention towards me, there's going to be a response, and you and you may not like it. Do you see what I'm saying? That's really what it's saying. Now you said that this is really for defense. And that the limitations are set by your own consciousness, your own awareness, your own imagination. Right, but don't take it to an extreme. The more you cake something up, or the more you try to add bells and whistles, you're going to thin the program out, okay? Because what happens is you overcomplicate it. For everything that you do, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So the more you take it from a very simple structure, and you complicate it with, with all these extra features, do you see what I'm saying? then each one of these features also may have a hole in it or an, or an opposition that you hadn't thought about. Do you see what I'm saying? So in this particular case, simple is best. 
you know, too much of a good thing is, is no good. Food is wonderful. It's good for you. But what happens when you eat too much? Look like me. <laughs> but the point is, is, is sometimes too much of a good thing is no good. Okay, so in this particular case, you've already programmed it with with positive, loving energy. Okay, but you don't want to like make it so that you're plugged into God 24/7. It's certainly a feasible process, but what's going to happen is you're going to burn yourself out. It's you get it. You got it. Remember, you're using an organic brain as your central format to interpret this dimension. Not only that, but as long as you are within this body, it's it's a two-way street. Anything that you experience spiritually is going to go from your mind then and reverse engineer into the brain because this is where you've chosen to centralize right now. Do you see what I'm saying? So too much data or too much energy for the brain to process is going to make you nauseous. It's going to make you feel like you're under psychic attack because your brain can't just process this information all day long. Do you see what I'm saying? So again, less is best in this particular case. Can you build up your threshold for taking in this kind of data and energy so you can retain that spiritual state of mind throughout the day? The outcome of this is it's going to help you become more spiritual. It's going to help you become more balanced. It's going to do all of these things by assisting you. What you're doing is you're preparing yourself to hold higher levels of, of being in a God consciousness for longer periods of time. You know, when you meditate, you, you could say, well, well, I'm trying to find, you know, this, this spiritual atonement inside of me, and that's what I'm looking for. So now you're telling me, well, don't do it so you're doing it all the time. Well, you, you're right. I'm saying, like, working out, you have to build your endurance up. When you meditate, you're really taking brief moments to tonalize yourself, and then you can only tonalize yourself as much as your body and your brain are ready to allow to have happen. So by turning this flow up 24-7 is where it becomes too excessive. Unless you were like super athletes spiritually, then you, do you understand? You, you're not really prepared to keep trying to, to, to funnel all this intensity in you 24-7. It's, it's something that you build your endurance up to. You meditate, you kind of go to that place, you come back, and you, you carry a certain vibe with you. Okay, But trying to pipe that vibe in from wherever it's coming from, this higher thing, and, and forcing it into you 24-7... I don't necessarily recommend that. I, I recommend intensifying yourself. That's it. Move on with your day, and you 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 glow with the remnants of that. It's kind of like a glow stick. You 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 break it, you shake it, it glows, and it's it's good for X amount of hours, and it begins to fade softer. So you just have to reinvigorate it. But to have it run constantly, okay, it's too much. Do you see what I'm saying? It's too much, and it's gonna it's gonna take the brain, and it's it's gonna make it not want to do anything. It's it's just gonna withdraw from it. It's gonna be over sensation for it to absorb that kind of level of information 24/7. What is the sword, and what is its main purpose? To explain the sword, I think it's more important for me to explain its purpose first. Okay. Psychically, we on an everyday basis are meeting people, developing relationships with people, interacting with people, and we're creating what we call psychic webbing. And it's it's really an interpretation for something. What that means is that everybody you meet, you create a sense of vibration for. You get a feel of their energy, their vibration. In some cases, it's just very quick and you don't build much of a connection. Some people you build a very strong connection with. So in the foundation set, I refer to the fact that when you meditate, 
you're you're kind of jingling these these webbings to other people in your life and in some cases it's people you haven't seen for five years ten years twenty years or whatever it may be and you may not even be interested in seeing these people again it could have been because you, you had a bad relationship with them or they were very draining on you and you're glad to be free of them but there's still this this connection to other people and when you meditate and you build up all of this energy that happens from the foundation set you tend to send these pulses of energy down these pathways and they start thinking about you and for no reason you might get a phone call from an old friend or from a relative that you haven't heard from for a while and like I said it's, it's going to be mixed review whether you want to really meet these people again or see them or have them come into your life so that's one aspect of psychic webbing okay now the other part of psychic webbing is is that some people build again a a contact to you or an energy to you that that is very effective on you that it may be damaging to you or draining to you or that it's attacking your energy field constantly okay so rather than just using the pyramid you might want to also utilize what we call the sword okay and the sword is an energy that you're going to develop inside of your body and bring forward out of your body and you're creating a sword and, and the reason why we choose a sword versus a stick for a concept or or a broom for that matter or anything a sword represents sharpness it represents nobility it represents strength it, it represents a de defiant and then also maybe a, a justification or whatever whatnot but it has deep-rooted psychological concepts connected with it so the brain works very well with it so that the mind can actually utilize it. So there's, a, a, a again, a very uh, positive kind of connection between the two states of uh, being. So what we do in this particular case is we would, again, clear our mind, sitting in uh, a chair, most likely, or on the floor in a half lotus, uh, hands back into the meditation position. And what you want to do is you clear your mind and then... Again, start to, to see energy in the room, uh, white light, if you will, um, and then see it moving into you and filling you. And then what you're going to do is, with your breathing, you're going to take a nice deep breath in, and then you're going to take your hands, and as if you're handling a sword, whatever way you, you want to see that, you're going to take this energy and extend it out as if as if a sword is being made. And it doesn't matter what kind of sword it is. It could be a machete. It could be a katana. It can be uh, Luke Skywalker and the Force Jedi sword. Whatever you prefer. It doesn't matter. Okay? And what you're going to do is you're going to take that sword down as, you, as you're making it come from your internal energy or just below your chi, kind of extending out and growing to a four feet, let's say, in length or give or take, you're going to then move it outward and you're going to envision that you have this webbing attached to you. And what you're going to do now is you're going to swing it up over your head and you're going to see it cutting these webs and they're they're like rubber almost. They just slingshot away from you as you're cutting them. And you cut some from the front, you cut some from the side and from behind your back and you just kind of go through this process of, of, of cutting webs with this, this energy and you constantly want to see this sword effect. You constantly want to focus on the detail of, of your imagination and try to visualize this as a very real effect happening to you. After you've finished cutting all of these webbings that are connected to you, you will feel a sense of release. And it's a detachment, as if other people's neediness or energy on you that, that may not be agreeable to you, their hold on you is released. It's like you're, you're cutting away their connection on you. 
hence the purpose of, of the sword. And uh, that's how it would be utilized. Do you always have to move the sword around with your hands? Yes. And the reason why we recommend moving your hands around, because now in this particular case, you're helping confirm your physical reaction, your body that's really being drained in many cases or affected. So by stimulating the concept of, of envisioning in your, in your mind the, the sword in your hands and getting your, your hands to move around, helps to reinforce the mental connection for the brain of what it wants to assist the mind to do by releasing these energies that are around you. Can the sword affect physical matter? Well, it's energy-based. I mean, it's it's something where you're focusing. And, and the reality is this. There may not be any energy coming from your, your hands, depending on how well you have control over your energy. It's more or less a ritual, if you will, or a concept that is so clearly defined that in the end result is your energy knows to let go of these connections. It knows that you're seeking out something that, that should not be there, or at least it's there without your permission. So so it's, it's more of a process of communicating with your inner energy and your inner biological self to, to react to, to that. You're giving it a name, you're giving it a structure, and you're giving it a very defined purpose, and that's what it's reacting to. Is there a benefit to focusing on a specific chakra? Again, lower chakra. Much of defending your energy is, is associated with your lower chakra, uh, your chi area per se. Uh, I mean, it's, it's very obvious because there, there's seven chakra points, uh, but if you look at martial arts, the only one they really focus on or really gravitate to as an energy point is chi, and that's because chi is so connected to the physical but also to the spiritual it's it's rather than your heart is very high vibrational and your mind is very high vibrational you want something that that is still going to affect you physically but also energy wise also and so this is again why we find that almost all defense mechanisms for for doing these kind of exercises are very chi oriented is the sword limited to any particular physical distance well, you, you don't want to get theatrical. You don't want to, you know, some people want to have the biggest, greatest, you know, it's, it's a 10-foot glowing massive sword. I mean, you want to keep the realism as possible because in your mind, you have a sense of reality. I mean, if you think of a real sword that you could just reach out and grab, I mean, it's going to be about four feet long, you know, maybe three feet long, okay? So the more that you can create a realistic in your sense of a sword in your mind, okay, or in your brain, the, the better reaction your, your brain's going to accept what you're doing. Do you follow what I'm saying? It's going to say, okay, this is feasible. This is, this is what, if you create a, a glowing ethereal sword made of who knows what with thousands of rubies and, and whatever, the brain kind of sees that as being animation, and you're, you're not helping reinforce the process. Do you see what I'm saying? So what you're trying to do is you want to work with as much reality as, as you can because your mind or your brain, is, is it's easier for it to invoke a clearer image that it can accept as being closer to real for something that it's, it's, it, it's tactiles. In, in other words, your hands have touched or felt and, and have a, a data pool of creating that concept. Do you follow me? So you want to work with stuff that's very, you know, similar. I would say in some cases, even if you have a, a, an old sword or a collector's sword around, you may want to practice a little bit with it very carefully. You know what I'm saying? But it, it's not really a necessity. But to focus on the concept of it as much as you can is, is really the goal of it. Would you discourage someone from 
actually going out and buying a sword? You, I think it's better to work visually. It's it's more of a visual process. But if you if you want to get familiar with it, you know, maybe go to the store and touch one, feel one. Use your your standard sensory of touch to get very familiar with it, and then and close your eyes while you're doing it. And then you know you're building up this this information in your brain. And now when you practice, you try to remember and invoke that feeling, that structure, and then place it to this concept. The same thing. You may want to get ropes of some type or or feel like thick rubber that the kind that you you know that's that's used like a bungee cord but the heavy rubber and just feel it and it's it's you're adding to your imagination in a sense okay but the more that you can put into it and then mix it with a little creative visualization and then and then focusing uh on on that process is what's going to yield the best results if the sword can be used to cut my own webbing can it be used to cut someone else's webbing as well well, yes and no. Again, we're getting into that person having their own intentions, their own vibrations, their own energies, and in a sense, you're it, you could almost consider it attacking, because if that person's not accepting of your intentions or not aware of your intentions, you know, it's to them this is this is part of their their misunderstood reality that this is maybe just the way things are. So here you are chopping and they're feeling a relief of something, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be interpreted as a good thing for them without them understanding what your intentions are. Do you follow me? So you would want to communicate to them that you're you're going to be doing something to help relieve negative energy around them. You don't have to give them the full process, but then it becomes more detailed, okay? Because now you, you have to simulate, okay? their energy. In other words, you're going to have to clear your mind, go into your, your clarity state. And then the first thing you want to do is you want to, to feel that person. You want to remember what, what their feeling is, that as much of the reality that you can create of them. Like a, you could say that a lover has a certain smell or your mother or your father have a certain feel to them, a certain presence. You want to create as much of a realism of that person's vibration as you possibly can. And that's what tunes you into their specific frequency. And that doesn't matter if they're a, a, an inch away or a thousand miles away. To, to energy, it's all the same. And so you're tuning in to their frequency. And then as if you are envisioning yourself as them, you're, you're almost yourself and their vibration at the same time. And then you begin to cut what you visualize as their webbings as if you were them. Okay, and in essence, you're projecting that process to happen around them, and and it'll have a given effect. <clears throat> and being focused and clarity, just really, the better you can maintain what you're doing without having any babbling going on in your head or any distractions mentally, the better results you're going to yield. So as you visualize this webbing, how long would you say it takes for the webbing to reconnect? I would say it depends on on the intentions of other people, the circumstances of 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 what you have going on in your life. But for the most part, if it's the first time you've ever done it, you're going to drop a lot of stuff that's been accruing for years. Okay, so what's going to happen is is that you may only feel the results, and it might take a, a week for you to feel all the rebounding results of all those releases. Okay, because sometimes it's not instantaneous. It's 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 almost as it dissip it like. Uh, it fades, it deteriorates away once it's like, you know, here in Oregon, they, they have, um, uh, Ivy. Okay. That grows all over the trees, but it's foreign. It's, it's really not natural to, to the area. And so they have groups of people that are trying to make it back to the natural habitat of, of what the forest 
was. So they, they cut all the roots of, of the ivy and then they leave it. So what happens now is there's no more life from, that, that's feeding this ivy that's basically choking out all these, these other plants because they're, they're just becoming so overgrown that it's preventing light and nourishment to these trees that used to not have to, to, to compete. So it takes time for these this ivy to, to disintegrate more or less to to fade away there it's it's their purpose is disconnected but their effect is still still radiating there do you see what i'm saying so it takes time for it to diminish and, and fade away do you, do you understand what i'm saying so it's it's somewhat similar some stuff is going to react much faster okay and then other stuff may may take a, a, a certain amount of time before you really see the the, the effects of it but after you've done this and you've you've really controlled a lot of this energy that's attached to you, okay, <clears throat> you want to just maintain that maybe once a week. I wouldn't do it on a daily basis, but I would say in some cases once a week is is very good. Does this webbing only connect around your head? No, this is why we say go to your backside and, and your sides and other. Yeah, I I mean you obviously would have to think it's coming from above and attaching somewhere. So it could attach to your hip. Your, your your back, whatever. So, you know, in, in many cases, I would suggest standing up while you're doing it. It's all about you holding your consciousness intact, you know, and structurally wise and feeling wise. You don't want your mind to wander. So, again, wax on, wax off. Your training from foundation really is helping you maintain a certain level of concentration. Do you see what I'm saying? But the point is you want to say very fixated on your visualization and what you're doing and the purpose of it and creating details of what's happening. In regards to the pyramid technique, is the sword technique to be done in combination with that one? If so, should you do them in any particular order? It doesn't really matter. Some people prefer to cut their webbing before they actually go into creating the, the dimensional energy there. Some people feel it's not necessary to use the, the sword if you've got your pyramid kind of active and, and working. But there is a rare case that you, you feel that it's a necessity. You know, let's, let's look at it a little differently. Much of what goes on in your brain that we can call psychological, how you perceive things happening in your life, your relationship to other people, how they affect you emotionally, maybe a relationship, uh, you know, separation or anxiety of, of certain things. When you do these rituals, your psyche is very energy oriented, okay? Your your mind and your brain, your brain works with electricity and energy, okay? By having these rituals, in a sense, relieves your brain or teaches your brain to let go of things also. It's not just that it's spiritual, it's it's also biochemical. It's also, you know, it's ingrained in you as a, as an organism. Do you see what I'm saying? as much as it is reflected in a duality as, as energy. So you're working with your energy, but, but it also affects your, your biological brain and vice versa. So by cutting these, these cords, some of these cords could also represent mental states that you have that are, are burned into your mind from things you've experienced or things that you, you want to let go for or of a relationship or let your emotions go of someone that you know you need to move on. So it doesn't necessarily represent, in this case, something that somebody's doing to you, okay? It could also be you holding that webbing out and you know you need to let go, but you just can't get yourself to let go. Or the brain is designed to hang on to certain things. We imprint images of our brain in people's faces and when they're not around, we release certain endopamines that cause depression. It makes us have anxiety to seek them out. 
And when we see their impression of their face in front of us again, or hear the sound of their voice, what happens is we get the, the, the correct chemistry released in the brain that makes us feel relaxed again and feel stabilized. Well, this is a horrible thing to have to go through, especially if you know somebody's just not right for you or not healthy for you, you know, or you're in an abusive relationship. So by, by seeing them as these cords, their, your connection to them, you're really telling the brain biochemically to also start letting go. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's, it's a tool that's not really a standardized tool or a standardized uh, concept that you may see in traditional psychological therapy, okay? But it's, it's very effective. Nonetheless, you know, you don't necessarily need to understand. You know, it's, it's just like this. It's like healing with the body. There are people who, who claim to be great healers in like third world countries, let's say, and even in our own country, and they're totally fraudulent in what they're doing, okay? But because the recipient believes so much in what they're doing that they actually change their dimensional self to, to, to become healed, their brain is so convinced it somehow starts to change it on a cellular molecular level, I believe. Okay, without any major paranormal stuff, but the but paranormal in itself that it's able that the body's able to communicate itself very rapidly and restructure something that might be an illness of some type. When you think about it, you can see it being an illness that you're cutting out. Do you understand what I'm saying? It could be a psychological situation you're cutting out, but what you're really doing is you're teaching the brain instead of instead of accepting it as part of its reality and that you're helpless. What you're saying is, is you are, are communicating and reverse engineering with your brain to let go of something. You're saying this is how you're going to let go because it doesn't know how to let go. Do you follow me? So this communicates with you on many levels, but the cutting is, is very psychological more so than it is just spiritual where the pyramid would be for energy. Do you see what I'm saying? You you may be connected to other people's energy that aren't good for you in a spiritual way because it's so ingrained in you also biologically. So it's given you a second tool to help with the healing process that's profoundly powerful to work with. When you're cutting the webbing, is it important to look for or visualize negative connections specifically? Well, you can look at it in several ways. You can look at it as a general intent that obviously you're looking at negative stuff. You're not never going to cut positive stuff. So I say positive energy and stuff affecting you is more of an ethereal energy. It's more of a light. So you can't really cut it, and you want it, and you're receptacle to that. So you don't see it. The only thing that's connected to you are going to be undesirable things, and you're manifesting them in your mind or, or seeing them as, as a, a structure. You're actually defining its pitch or its tone to something that you want to remove. So you're making it come forward and, and solidify into a frequency that you now are tuning into, like tuning into a radio. Once you're locked into it, you can experience it. So you're choosing to find the negative versus the positive. In so doing, that's that's what your, your reaction is going to be to. How long should you spend doing this technique? You would really know. I would say no more than 30 minutes. You know what I'm saying? Maybe 45 minutes. Um, but, you know, it's really up to you. I mean, in some cases, five minutes. It's it really how clear you focus. I cannot stress this enough. And rest assured, everybody will forget about it. They always do. The clarity of what you are focusing on is critical. Give it detail. Give it give it a sense of emotion. Give yourself a follow-up emotion of release. Do you see what I'm saying? Communicate with your brain through emotions. And, and it will understand, not words, but emotions. Don't tell it what it's supposed to feel. Create 
a fictitious sense of feeling and accept it as being real and the brain will accept that. And this is something that's also very good for very defined issues. If you want to let go of somebody, see that cord, create that cord. Look at the detail of it. Look at the the, the, the fibers of how it's made and, and say to yourself, this is somebody who I need to let go of. This is somebody who's harming me. This is somebody bad for me. And, and see that, that cord being cut. See it snap. See it, see it flinging away. And just no more. You've, you, no more will this attach to me. I have the power now to defend myself. I will protect myself. I have the ultimate tool in that defense right now. And I will no longer allow myself to be harmed. You're telling yourself, you're, you're letting your brain feel those emotions symbolically. And it, it's able to purge those things that are embedded biochemically into the brain. It, it's like sends the, the, the right receptors to help release that programming. So, in fact, you're saying that this could even be used to cut negative connections that are an influence from past lives? Past lives, childhood, anything and everything that you would want to let go. It has no limitations in that sense. You just really choose or you try to discover. I mean, it could be anything from abuse, even abusive memories. You're, you're, it's like you're ready to move on. You've digested it, but you need to let go. It's not that you forget the memory of it, but you let go of the negative programming that's affecting you in your current state of mind, how you are carrying that luggage and how it's coming out in your personality. So you work on, on removing those. And you got to give it time. Don't expect instantaneous with this technique, but it's virtually instantaneous because it, it, it could take weeks or months where forms of therapy could take years. When a cord is snapped, will there be some sort of feeling or relief associated with it? On many occasions there is, yes. In some occasions it's you, you don't feel the relief immediately because, because internally you're not really willing to let go yet. You know, so, so you might have to work on it you know, once a week, once a day, you know, whatever. But eventually when you feel it, you'll feel it give, you know, sometimes you cut it and then you go back to it and you're still feeling it. So you need to keep, keep hitting it up. It's because there's some part of you that, that, that is not really fully willing to let it go. But if you keep hacking away at it, okay, it will, it will snap. It will dissipate. It will, but you have to be consistent, consistent. As I was getting ready to say before, consistency is the biggest problem with anybody with any techniques. Without consistency, you, you cannot achieve much. With consistency, with, with just hammering it, okay, you will win without a doubt. Is there an effect on the other side of the cord in the person that has the connection with you? I think that it depends. If that person's connected to you, they will feel that you've gained some kind of strength because I, I'll tell you right now, Again, that inner knowing with dominant people, they can feel that they have strength over you. And when they lose it, they also can feel that they've lost something. And they feel like they don't have that control no more. And you, once you remove it and you have the correct tools, you, you definitely have the strength then to keep them from gaining it again. But again, you have to listen to that inner knowing. But they'll know. They'll they'll definitely feel it. Even if, you you know, you don't have to be there. They'll feel it, that something's changed. Now, whether or not they consciously can say, oh, this is exactly what's going on, maybe, maybe not. Sometimes it just occurs to them, like, wow, I just feel like I just lost this person from my hold, more or less. Um, or they'll meet you and they'll feel that they don't have that connection anymore or like it's diminishing rapidly. But it's an inner knowing. In the event that you may encounter an entity, would the sword ever come into play as a mode of defense? Absolutely. Um, this goes into another level of high guard. 
it's not necessarily that it's a sword, but it gets back to the fundamentals of what the sword is. A sword is an extension of your life energy. It's an extension of prana. It's an extension of you. It's an extension of you mixed with God force, your consciousness, your organic energy. And it's it's a combination. So in essence, when you deal with entities in, in a form of defense, um, you will be using your own energy frequency against their energy frequency rather than your organic physical body. So that's a yes answer, but it'll be we'll, we'll broaden on that topic as we enter into some other stuff in High Guard. Higher Balance presents High Guard, The Art of Energy Defense, Part 3 of 4. Almost all forms of psychic defense are going to be oriented through the chi area of your energy. Again, much like martial arts, this is why they, they have this connection between physical attack and, and using their energy in that area and meditating on it and breathing through it and developing that kind of energy because it's the one that's closest to our physical realms, okay? So whenever someone is, is drawing energy from you, if you think about it, it holds your energy in. If you want to push someone's energy away, you're going to draw energy in and then push mentally out. Okay, but it's always breathing in from your chakra and seeing your energy extending out as you breathe out. Does everybody understand that? So a simple technique is if you, you feel that there's bad vibrations in a room or entities or, or just whatever, you clear yourself, breathing in through your chakra down there, you instantly should feel a shift. Okay, which is going to be a very faint tingling almost. If, you, if you're if you right in the right side of my mind, it's like very empowering. And you, you feel that sense. You create that sense of power. Okay, and you breathe in and you just release. And you see that, that push. You, you visualize that push coming out of you. So it's, it's very much a form of psychic defense, psychic attack, if you will. But it's, it's in a lot of ways how you would handle negative entities in a room. They're going to feel that wave of energy push out from you. For us physically, we don't feel much. For us being sheltered in our physical body, we don't we don't really feel a lot. Okay, but to an entity, to its energy field, let me tell you, it's it's like a ton of bricks hitting them, and it depends on even how how much you can create that energy to move it out. And you don't have to be a a martial art expert to understand that. Now, the more intense you can get with it, it's much the same energy as what you would see in martial arts combat or where somebody would use their, their chi to affect somebody and throw them across a room or to prevent somebody from, from being able to physically move. A person who's developed that energy significantly can put their hand in there and then all of a sudden they say they can push with all their strength but it's like they, they can't move this person. Or people will, groups will try to push someone who's, who's focusing on their chi over and they, they can't do it. Now I'll explain what's going on. In one part, there's there's a falseness that it, it can be contributed to a certain sense of balance they have, but not all of it, okay? What's really happening on an energy level is because chi is so close to the physical energy of your, your muscles expanding and retracting and the physical nature of your body being able to move, it's literally canceling the signal between the brain and the muscles in your body. So what's happening is you're, you're trying to tell it to push, but your muscles are getting a different signal that's saying to not expand or retract. It's saying just cease or to, to lock up more or less. So this is what's happening with that chi energy to a physical level, if you can harness enough of that energy. To deal with entities, you don't need that much. Do you see what I'm saying? You're dealing with a very subtle energy. You just have to understand that you're able to create this energy and move it out from you. Now, you're not throwing it out. It's kind of like like a ball that has a, a rubber thing on it. You're, you're throwing it and it's snapping it back and catching it, okay? 
when you when you breathe into your chi and you send it out, it's kind of like a like a, a wave that comes out and it pulls back in. So you're pushing with your hands and pulling back in. And then you breathe again, you do the same thing. And it's it's like an extension of yourself, but but energy, vibration coming from your body. And because it's so oriented with being part of your physical body and your energy field, it kind of is easy for your body and your brain and your mind and your brain, per se, to adapt to this concept to make it very effective. If you were to use this on any other chakra point, it would, it would not have the same effect. So using chi energy is, is a great way to deal with negative entities. If you feel there's a presence in your room and you don't want it there, you just basically just and just push it out with your breath. Just see this energy moving out and, and, and ex- make the muscles in your hands tight as you expand out. Just push, push with your body. Feel the muscle tension, but visualize this, this outburst of, of energy pushing out. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to have a devastating effect on the entity. It's going to have a devastating effect in any spirit that you want to affect. Trust me. This is how you would handle something that was being aggressive with you if you wanted to to deal with it. You're matching it energy for energy. When an entity were to attack you, let's say, it's 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 basically energy based at a very specific frequency. That frequency, for the most part, can't really affect anything physically. This is why if they pass through us, the most we'll feel is a tingling sensation. Okay, now. If they harmonize their energy well enough, they can manipulate us to make it feel like like we've been hit. And in rare cases, what I would say, it's very similar to people who can create wounds on their body because they believe psychologically so much that, that that's the case. There's studies where people can get lumps on their body, bleed, create open wounds. Nothing's ever touched, but in their brain, they it's so real to them that the cells of the body begin to react as if to mimic the creation of what their thought is okay and there's a, there's a whole research and science behind this what happens is, is if an entity can stimulate your energy enough okay it's not going to make you have an open wound or something but you you'll almost feel it like a punch your muscles in that area will lock up just like a, a charley horse would Okay, and, and it swells and it tightens up. It's the same process in the brain, but it, it's just doing the opposite, but the body will react to it. So, in essence, as soon as you go into your chi, it's like your energy changes. It's, it's like a dimensional force field to entities. They cannot penetrate it. Okay, you just cannot. It's like impossible. And then what you're doing is, is by breathing in through there, you're really taking pranic energy in, and much like you learned in the foundations, that you're going to convert it into a very specific energy. And because it's it's so so like designed to become half physical and half energy, your body just really works with it. It's a, it's like an extension of armor, or or like you know like something out of Japanese animation where you're in this robot body that has all this like you move your hand this way, the whole powerful you know robot's body moves that way, but there's, there's like the power of 20 tons being able to be moved by it. So you really just see yourself in this energy field, and you just you just can move your body in such a way if you just think about it, and you hold your concentration, you can walk through, and they they just cannot permeate you. The reason why they cannot permeate, why you are so intensely powerful thinking in this. Because they are trying to affect you in a physical realm. Therefore, they're incredibly weaker in the sense that they're trying to manipulate this level of reality. You are very geared for this dimension because you are contained in a vessel that's designed to keep you here, more or less. Okay? So, in a sense, it's you have the biggest advantage. You just don't realize it. Once you begin to focus on this energy and you, you push your energy out, it's, it's like you can move your hand and you can you can have five, six feet extend out. In some cases, just waves of, 
of a burst of energy, it would be very hard for you to maintain it outward because your your mind would feel that it needs to, to breathe back in. It's like holding your breath. Do you see what I'm saying? So you can do pushes of energy and see it expand out. You don't have to feel the retraction. It happens very instantaneously. So you, you don't even think about it. You just work your energy. Even as I'm doing this, I'm, I'm developing my energy. That's why I'm breaking out in a kind of a, a psychic sweat, we call it. But this is what qi is, is doing, or people who, who practice tai chi in a sense. They're doing something very similar, but they're internalizing it as a, as a workable energy, which we'll go into. When you're dealing with an entity or you're dealing with any negative energy, you just want to disperse. You're constantly dealing with that lower energy, your qi. You're always breathing in from it and projecting the energy out as you're breathing outward. Is this more of a mental pushing, or does the result depend more closely with the actual physical motion of the push when you reinforce it with your physical sense of pushing okay it, it's helping to strengthen your belief and it allows the energy to extend out from that you have to visualize that you're reaching across the room or, or it's not just don't visualize believe it believe that you are and you will be that much more intensively powerful do you follow me? If if you can only see yourself reaching out as far as your hands go, it's not going to have the same effect. So it's a combination, again, of balancing reality of what you can do and combining it with a sense of imagination to extend the possibility. But it becomes a reality because you're dealing with energy and it, it becomes a real thing and your energy reacts to it. People have um, studied how to see auras. And you look at your hand, you can see the aura around it. Now, in many cases, I'll teach people how to see my aura. And then what I'll do is, okay, I'm, I'm going to change my aura. I'm going to expand it, you know, and I'll say, let me know what, what, you know, that you're seeing it. And then I'll expand that aura and I'll bring it back down, as many of you guys have probably have experienced. So, in essence, it's to that effect, but different. It's not just me who can expand the aura. It's just a matter of you breathing in and expanding different chakra points and, and, and visualizing and then feeling. You can feel it happening. But you, you have to also believe that it's possible in a combination. Otherwise, your brain also refrains you from, from being able to do these things. Your brain is the governor, as we often say. It, it limits it. So you've got to push the limits of the governor okay, by, by fooling it a little. And then after you've fooled it a few times, it accepts it as a reality. And then you have all of these extended abilities. You've said before that you can use this technique to pull an entity into you. How do you do that? And why would you want to do that? I don't recommend this for most people, and in some ways I'm, I'm reluctant to really explain this. There are occasions where I will consume an entity, and what that means really in sensible terms, because uh, it sounds much more dramatic than what it is. As I said to you before about having a pyramid energy, one of the things that I would design my energy to do is when, when there's negative energy that, that hits it, it's almost like a filter. It filters through. I get all the real core of the pure energy, but all the programming looks like sludge on the outside of my pyramid wall, and it just slides down, self-washing, call it whatever you want, okay? But I gain all that energy there, okay? An entity that is negative, in order for it to function in this reality, much like we have to see that armor expand on us, that energy field that we have to breathe through our chakras and just kind of go into that zone, okay, and, and just be conscious of it and it empowers us so that we can affect them. They are virtually doing the same thing. In order for them to move into this dimension to affect you, their normal energy can't even affect anything here. It just moves through the same way as FM signals do or television signals. They're here, but they're not really something that can be easily affected. 
So you, you need uh, tools. So they kind of consume a certain kind of energy that, that, again, is very similar to what we would do with the chi in order to build something that's more of a physical energy so that it can be, affect this dimension. It takes a lot of skill. And again, I don't recommend this to most people. But what I am capable of doing is when there's a very negative energy, if I want to, I literally just kind of just pull it into me it's like you can literally take all of its its coating, its armor, and just take it into you and just kind of spit the remains out of the frequency. I call it a spiritual tough guy move, okay? Um, it's not something I recommend because, you know, what have I taught you? Possession is not possible because you have a very specific frequency that's an algorithm number that is so vastly unique to any other living thing. It's unbelievable, okay? So if you're going to pull something into you, the first fear you have is, well, what if it possesses me? Okay, well, I don't believe in that. I don't believe it's possible, and I can debate that all day long in spiritual terms. So what's going to happen? You can take in energy. Do you follow what I'm saying? So what's going to happen is you're going to suck it in, and it's going to spit out the remains. The only thing you have to be worried about is its programming. If it programmed that energy is like a virus getting into a computer, you don't want to take that program, and then you get all these this you know psychological damage. So this is why I do not recommend this for most people. My energy is I'm is so well controlled that even if I were to take a virus kind of energy in a program, it knows to kind of eject it. Do you see what I'm saying? And it happens very rapidly for me. Okay, most people don't have that kind of awareness yet. So I say stick with the traditional methods. They're awesome. They're powerful. It's all you really need. Me doing something like that with an entity is a rare, rare, rare occasion. But if you practice enough and you get skilled enough, you'll know you can do it. It's an inner knowing. And it's not about ego. It's a, sometimes it's just if, you, if you're dealing with a lot of negative entities, sometimes it's the best way to cut the odds down so that you can appropriately deal with it without them all distracting you. So there are certain cases where it's a necessity. Doing this to an entity is, it's about as close to killing something that you can get. It's going to now have to spend a great deal of time rebuilding its energy. Rebuild, I mean, it's it's going to be a traumatic effect on an entity. I mean, you know, I, I you, you really have traumatized it if you do this to it. But again, what I say is good for the goose, is good for the, it doesn't have good intentions for me. Do you see what I'm saying? So I will hint, I didn't destroy it, I didn't kill it. But I, I've certainly taught it a lesson. What's the difference between focusing on this chakra for defense as opposed to meditating on it? Meditating has a defined purpose. You're training yourself to take in a pure level of energy, and that energy can be used for defense. But what you're really doing is you're building up a reserve, a reservoir of energy to call on at a moment's notice. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like a, a battery pack. Let's say you have a computer and the computer power goes down, but you don't go down because you get an hour of reserve. So you have a reserve energy that's being built that is, is really powering other psychic abilities or whatever you're developing. You're, you're feeding that sixth sense. It's, it's like, you know, a, a, an arm needs to, to be exercised or the body needs to be exercised. That's a form of building it up so that you can be prepared to deal with circumstances or meet that, okay? For the sixth sense, it needs all these subtle energies in order to correct well or to, to function well, I mean. So you're building a reserve of these energies up so that they, you know, this lower energy isn't just used for combat. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's used for a variety of things. So you have this reserve building up and, and slowly empowering other divisions of your, of your energy fields and consciousness. If you wanted to, you could probably react with a push of energy without even having to draw in. Do you see what I'm saying? which in essence makes you much more prepared 
in an instant of dealing with situations because you, you've got all these reserves of energy built up. I mean, you, you really become something to have to deal with at, at any given point. Are the other chakras useful in defending? Not necessarily, but yes, you could be very creative. Um, I mean, you know, here we go into the whole, <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, a fictional movie or, or sci-fi event, but I mean, you can, you can take a really nasty being and, and really just, instead of projecting out in, in your, your thing, you could really put a virus into them the same way that you could pull a virus in. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that virus you can program is by going to your heart chakra and just finding this absolute love. And just and just and then in one of those waves, the intention is is to permeate it like 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 a, a knife going inside of it and then blossoming like you could see like like flowers and, and plants growing with life within it. Okay, now to you that may sound ridiculous as a projected concept. Okay, but you can understand energy works in terms of emotion, and what you're doing is you've just sent this this absolute spear of love into this to this hateful negative energy and all of a sudden now it's either going to start reflecting as i told you you will feel the emotion of what is put into you and that's how it's going to you internalize it your brain then takes this emotion and, and then creates the the conceptual for it that it relates to and then you're affected by that so you're doing just the opposite now to a, a negative entity or a negative being instead of them just dwelling in all this hate and wanting to destroy life they've now internalized it and there's a there's a, a chance depending on how strong it is that you thrusted it into them that they're going to have just the opposite effect and it's going to calm them down. It's going to help them to feel surrender and, and peace and then, and then maybe some kind of clarity to reflect on themselves. Say, wow, I've, I've just have not been myself. I've been, I've been chaotically reacting and, and it gives them a moment of clarity to make their middle pillar, their true consciousness step forward and, and maybe change their tonal or their vibration. Working with sound is, again, a technique that's utilized to your consciousness. Certain sounds and vibrations make our mind feel a certain way or project a certain way because sound is a projectile. When we use it, we're so familiar with it as a form of communicating that unconsciously in our brain or our mind, we also utilize it as projecting. So, for instance, we could do alms. And in alm, right away, we... Who, who practice alms feel that it, it permeates an environment. And what you're doing again is it's just another form of projecting a vibration into an object. It's just another method of doing it. So for instance, if I was to go like, there is a, projection of a certain feeling that's coming out of me and that sound although you would think that because it's vibrational it's not going to affect something dimensional which is probably true but the feeling that I have that I internalize is also projecting at the same time and it's it's combining these two so that it's affecting those who are experiencing it on a physical level and those dimensionally are feeling it on another level in the same manner so I'm permeating the walls and permeating the couch with my intention. And that intention is, is of course, a sense of balance, a sense of peace, a sense of clarity. Uh, much like when you meditate and you try to have a clarity of mind, you're achieving the same thing by doing this particular om. Okay? Now, you could also say that 
if you have, again, the secret to this is intention. What is your intention of doing this? If your intention is to go, um, and it's to put people to sleep, well, then you, you probably have effect in making them sleepy, maybe. Uh, if your intention, it, it's whatever your intent is designed. Now, some intentions just don't work at all with the sound because it's it's how we perceive them. Do you see what I'm saying? So you're trying to magnify the sense of vibration you're throwing out energy-wise by by manifesting what you already have confirmed in your mind or sorted it to be the function of it. You could say now here, if I clap my hands together in one aspect, let's say there's a lot of negative vibration or energy or something. I want to just kind of clear the room out. What I would do is I would walk in and I would just pull in this energy and as I clap my hands together, I would have the intention that that clap is a shockwave to remove or to permeate, to disturb the negative energy that's around me. So when I clapped it, what did it do to everybody else? There was a sense of a reception in your ears, correct? There was a, almost like a, a shock to you. I'm aware of this. You guys are aware of it. So you guys are collectively like a matrix reinforcing this command of, of, of a shockwave. I interpret that that's the effect I'm going to have on entities. Like I just want I want them to know I'm here and I, I you better be scared. Here I come, you know? In essence, I'm commanding with an intent interfibered with this sound on a dimensional frequency that's emanating from me at the same time. It's a broadcast. It's like a big speaker going, hey, and it's it's sending out this reflection that's going to affect entities as much as it affects people. So sound in certain ways can affect dimensional things. One of the things I, I recall many, many, many moons ago was um you know that rhythm Basie rhythm would, would is very disturbing to entities. And I think there's a level of truth to that, and then sometimes it's a mix, okay? In Africa, they deal a lot with, with spirits and entities, and there's a little truth to every culture because these, these cultures want to keep their, their family near them in a sense. So I think that in some ways there's, there's more of a spiritual effect, but because of the culture also, they, they have entities that are also doing a lot of negative things. But they will do very rhythm-based stuff but it's also enforced by psychological belief that I believe is emanating out on a dimensional frequency. Do you see what I'm saying? But rhythm has a, a, a pulsating, a cleansing effect, a, a programming effect that, that clears objects. Much like pouring the, the, the milk and the dye, the, the rhythms of the drum for some reason has a, a certain vibration that seems to cross over a bit into dimensional frequency somehow, some way. This is why if you if you look at Buddhist monks, they'll have these big horns that they'll blow, and they believe it clears out the entities, and they'll make lots of noise. You'll you'll find this, there's a little truth to all of these things in most cases, and in this particular case, rhythm or or these particular sounds uh, certainly can have effect in, on a place. So you know, I say if if you've got a really haunted house, then then hook up the big bassy speakers and play some, some really deep bassy music for a day or two, and you maybe you'll clean out the place, you know? Uh, it's just another method of utilizing tools in a defense system. Again, a, a part of the the whole program from High Guard is to offer you many options. Shockwaves of boom, I believe, have have a, 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 a breakdown of, of built-up energies. So in a house that may have a lot of vibration or feeling by having this boom, 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 boom music, it somehow weakens it and it makes it deteriorate for programming. It's a way of cleansing, much like the using salt, but a different method. I believe that thunderstorms mixed with lightning, mixed with electricity in the air and stuff, with the booming 
from the lightning, I think has a cleansing effect on 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 mass uh, arrays of land and and vibrations of um, areas. Much also like the Fourth of July, on some levels, can have the same effect from the booming. I believe that there's a contribution as the planet is a biological organism that these things are are self-sustaining things that that its organism does to react to balance itself. One of the interesting things is, is as far as a collective consciousness, I I know that when telemarketers will call certain areas of, of towns, some towns they'll have a, a very bad reception from it. Like, nobody's buying anything, leave me alone, I don't want to be bothered. And then what they'll do is they'll drop the campaign instead of keep calling that town after a while, and they'll switch it up to another area, and they'll call the other area, and all of a sudden they get a lot of sales. It's almost like there's a collective consciousness in each area that changes or, or moves as, as a collection of, of the, what I call the, the neural synapses of the planet, per se, or, or whatever, as human beings. So there's a wave of consciousness that moves from place to place that affects maybe thousands or hundreds of thousands of people in each community, and it can change. So it's just interesting that they react to that. Now, what does that have to do with the booming? What I'm saying is, is that emotions are also programmed, not just in households or in a piece of clothing from somebody else, where you kind of feel them, but there's different levels of, of this that affect things. And so there could be entire uh, states, if you will, or, or counties. The, the booming from lightning, I think, is nature's way of cleansing um, maybe areas that have accumulated a very negative vibration that really is starting to permeate that area. And it's nature's way of breaking it up and moving it so it, so it doesn't become like a log jam in a, in a river. So the sound doesn't have to originate from you, but if you want to program the sound, then it should originate from you, right? Well, if you're going to program it, it should originate from you, yeah. Can you program sound for things other than defense? Well, again, this gets back to creativeness. It gets back to there's anything is possible. You know, it's it's it depends on how creative you want to be with it. If you think about beautiful music, when a person sings to you a beautiful song, what does it do to you? I mean, it's affecting you. It, you may just think it's what you're hearing, but you're really experiencing this. Now, music from a radio, we've learned to to maybe not capture the full effect of it. But irregardless, I think on a psychological level, there's a communication going on in the music that is reciprocated into the brain, and the brain unpackages it, and then we experience whatever it is. It's not quite as effective as the real thing, and you're not getting that, that maybe same intention. But I do believe in, on different levels psychologically, it's communicating with us more than what it's just saying in the words. I mean, even myself, sometimes I listen to music, and I love the music. And then all of a sudden, one day I'll sit down, and I'll listen to what they're actually saying in the song, and I, I, it never occurred to me what they were talking about. So it's almost like two different things going on. There's something that's talking to me emotionally, and that's usually how my mind works. I'm, I'm usually, because I consider it a higher level of communicating. And then when the words come in, sometimes the words don't quite fit what is really being said. And I mean, not just the words as far as what they're saying, okay? Because they could be saying something, but there's a whole other meaning with the octave of their voice or the, the range of how they're broadcasting the words from themselves. This is all just not just spiritual. It's stuff that can affect your brain that becomes spiritual because it moves into your, your higher level of consciousness. Is there any benefit to focusing on a specific chakra when programming a sound? Yeah, I definitely would say there is. I mean, you can you know really build up a, a feeling of love before you project it out or how you choose to project it. You can can you can create a a push by by really projecting or feeling the buildup of that 
that energy there and then projecting it out. So yes, it, by combining them, it makes it even that much more intense, but it's that much harder to do. Is the sound necessary or is it really more about the intention? Well, the sound is simply a bouncing board for you. In other words, you're reinforcing it with your brain to cross over kind of dimensionally out. So the more symbolically your brain is used to that concept that you can attach a little bit more to it, the better effect it's going to be because you're going to have less filtering going on from the brain. The governor isn't going to filter the strength of it so much. Is it feasible to program sounds around your house? Like if someone turns a doorknob, is it possible to have uh, that sound release a programmed intention? Too complicated, I would say. I mean, if, yes, it's possible. Anything is possible. But if you start to make things too complicated, you're going to become discouraged with your effects. Don't try flying a jet until you've at least tried to ride a bicycle first. You know what I'm saying? It, build yourself up. Encourage yourself because you're, you're dealing with your brain saying this is not possible or, or this is not how systematically reality is designed for us to accept. So you start doing too much, which is what everybody tends to do, particularly youth. And this is why you, you don't get the results you're looking for. And then you, you kind of throw the talent and you kind of go back into the dough. There's nothing to encourage you. Take small steps and work yourself up. Be consistent. Don't rush. And, and then you will have a much more profound effect and as amazing if you just take simple steps in this instead of making it so complicated. What are the most useful applications of this technique? Well, they might find that they walk into a home and uh, maybe they're visiting or it's a rental house or something for, for a holiday weekend or something. You might want to just really disperse this energy. Maybe the last people there were really just really negative, you know, or had a big fight there and you, you're feeling it. You don't know why and you need to say, whoa, stop. You've got to defend yourself. You've got to push all this negative energy out before it overwhelms you. And then when you've destabilized it and you can regroup yourself, now it's time to start programming on another level. Uh, that would be a method. Um, using sound also is very therapeutic. It's very natural for us to work with sound. I think that, that if people would get over their embarrassment, their shyness, okay, that you don't have to sing beautifully. But just to do certain hums or certain emotions that could come out of you, okay, may sound odd, but in your own privacy, you can release different feelings from inside of you, okay? You can also use that to project vibration into your, to your house. Sound emotionally coming out without any verbiage is, is much more spiritual than coming out with the singing a song or, or words. Words are attached to our brain as a form of communication that's very uh, formatted for, for us to communicate. But sounds can release so much more for emotion. That's ideally what you want to do. Maybe in the privacy of your home, you want to release certain tones from you, you know, beautiful sounds that are beautiful to you. And you re release them into your home, to your plants, to your walls. But it is fear and social structure that keeps the dough powerful, and we are embarrassed, in most cases, to release these inner feelings outward or project them out. We're, we're too ashamed. We're shamed and contain ourselves from releasing that. Do you see what I'm saying? And we, we think we have to be a beautiful singer or charismatic or a beautiful voice. Everybody naturally has the sound to release a beauty from them.
it's a choice if you want to release it and it comes from like in here you know it's it's just something that is comes out and it's it's i think it's a, it's a marriage between your your soul and your physical body and it's it's it is an expression of that you want to put that expression i say paint the whole house with it you know just you just have to let it go i mean people can't dance for the most part or let's say some people can't dance for the most part i mean but everybody here secretly when no one's around will do their little dance thing you know and how does it feel it feels wonderful but in society we're talking no can't do that no one so we we control ourselves and we limit ourselves most people are fake I would say all people are really fake to some degree. So if you can't be real in the world, then try to be as real as you can by yourself as often as you can. And you will discover more things about yourself than you could possibly imagine. And you will discover things more spiritually than you could possibly ever thought was possible. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm saying instead of just dancing, sit down and, and, and let some tones out of you. Let some let some hums out of you. Let find an emotion and just you know, just just let it roll out and watch how wonderful it feels. It really will internally speak to you both physically and mentally. If you're ill, let it out in sounds. Let let it come out of you. You know, like purge it through an emotion. Emotion and making tonatures somehow resonates with your cellular body more than words. The only reason why we use spoken words is because we've learned that as a format to communicate from one to another, okay? We lost the ability to internalize and release. And that's what you want to take in consideration with sound techniques in high guard. What is the hand of hands and what does it do? Many years ago, I, I remember seeing a, uh, a picture of... Um, Jesus and, and then eventually also a picture of Buddha and then I, I started to look for certain things in other pictures or diagrams of other deities or enlightened beings or whatever and I began to, to notice that in these paintings or drawings um, often they would hold their hands in various positions and at first it really didn't stand out to me but internally again that inner knowing of course being younger I also knew there was some meaning in it now, I don't know how the artist would have known half of these people, how they would have their hands out that way or not when they made these things or it's just something they felt or maybe they got it described to them somewhere in, in, in books and stuff. And I, and I do know that to be the case in some, some circumstances. The hand of hand, we will get to in a moment, but we'll, we'll lead up to this. Your hands are really what I call a secondary communicator. If you try to be aware of your hands while you're talking, there's a whole language in them as they're moving around. So if you if you put your hands out like this, or this means stop, you're like, well, wait a minute, you know, what am I saying psychologically? I'm saying stop. If I'm like, well, why don't you come this way? I'm I'm telling you to come over here. If I if I say, well, why don't you just think this way? Okay, what did I just say to you? I'm I'm telling you to to agree with me to come over to my side. Okay, there's a whole language going on with your hands that that it's very subliminal that you're not aware of. So your mind is really reflecting through your hands and communicating to people even though people aren't paying direct attention to it. It's a, a reinforcement method. If you find any good speakers who really get across to people, you'll find them using their hands all the time. If you watch what I did, I says, getting across you, I mean, I'm, I'm looking you in the eye and I'm taking my hands and what did I do? I just, I just centered it as an impulse of a thought to make you say yes or, or to kind of snap forward. So hands 
constantly are mimicking our mind, our real intention in some ways of communicating, or at least a more refined response if you can just follow what they're saying. Now, when I said follow what they're saying, my hands kind of did this rotation, meaning there's a lot to it. You know, follow it, but it, but in my mind, I'm thinking, well, there's a lot to cover. Again, a secondary form of communication. Now, having said that, what I began to realize is, what if you take your hands and you put them out consciously? When I say be aware, be mindful. If you place your hands out in front of you and you just think about them for a few seconds, just kind of be aware of them. Feel what it feels to feel your hands and your weight without touching anything. And what you want to do is to simply take your finger to your thumb, your pinky to your thumb, and then inhale, feeling that touch and trying to be aware of how you feel for a second. Any very subtle energy. Now, it's kind of like a piano. You're reversing the outward effect almost by turning your hand's communication going inward into your mind or to your brain to your mind rather than your mind to your brain out as an expression. You're reversing it. What essentially it's doing is it's giving you a key to really work with your mind or strengthening it without without the brain realizing exactly that it's a back door is what I'm saying. It's a, it's, it's a door that the brain doesn't realize it left open and it has no defenses in a sense to really control it because it, it's, it's, it's so natural, okay, that it's really just a point of you, you thinking about this technique. So when you do this technique, by breathing on each one, it'll make you feel a different tone, a different pitch more or less, a different feeling inside of you. And the more that you practice with it and feeling these pitches up, down, let, you know, higher, lower, okay, and you, you breathe through each touch of each finger as you're doing it in sequence, okay, you're exercising your mind in a sense that it, it allows it to open up better with this reality. You're able to make your mind move into this reality to affect things on a greater level. Like, to instance, if this is the matrix, in order to affect it, you, you need to think differently. You need to be able to project emotion. So, so what you're really doing is, is you're training yourself to feel these subtle energies that in the beginning you almost can't feel. But I would say it's kind of like reading Braille. Not that I can read Braille, but uh, but a blind person who's first introduced to it, they might feel it, or like any of us feel it, and it just feels like a bunch of little bumps. There's there's not much of a, a real pattern except for the lines going up and down or whatever, and it's 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 too chaotic at this point for us to understand. But as you practice with it and you begin to see the patterns, eventually you can just rub your fingers over it and you can see words appearing in your mind, okay? You learn to create a higher sensory within your, within your brain to communicate with what you're feeling. Well, in this particular case, you're following these patterns, okay, in such a manner that it's, it's teaching you to communicate your mind better in this dimension or how to go into your mind to send something out and bypassing the brain, in a sense, to some level. For instance, if you take your hands, you put them out, you put them on your pinky, you breathe in, and you can feel a certain vibration. At first, it's very subtle, okay? Then you move to the second one. And then move to the third one. And move to the fourth one. Now, what you're going to feel for starters is usually people's index fingers are stronger. They're, they're more what you work with, okay? So it's going to have the higher connection. It's going to be a more powerful feeling if you really pay attention to it, to a minor feeling. 
Now you look at this minor feeling and you say to yourself, well, it's, maybe it doesn't have such, such use. It has profound use. If you put it to your pinky and you think about your heart chakra and you breathe through, you're going to find that it, it creates a much more balanced, very calming energy. So it's about really experimenting with these different frequencies that you can create, but they do have a very specific connection to your emotional and to your conscious self. If you want to very quickly, robustly build your energy up, much like, like meditating on your chi or your lower chakra, you take your index finger and this finger, you put them together and just breathe in thinking about them. And you will feel this, this kind of about right where your solar plexus are up to your upper ear. You will feel a very subtle change that's very shielding, very, very solidifying. Okay? So what you want to do is because it's such a subtle energy in the beginning, you want to practice by just sitting and then breathing on each one and focusing on how it makes your energy field feel. You're turning it inward. Okay? Now, the second thing you want to do is everything is in conjunction with breathing with this particular exercise and much of your exercises with high guard has a lot to do with breathing in and out. It's, it's about pushing out is breathing out, moving energy is, is breathing in. You just think about the visualizations and where you're pulling the energy in when you're breathing, but you don't really think about breathing in, but because breath is a giving and taking your mind works with the energy in the same way. It feels very natural and it gives you a big advantage to pulling and moving energy in and out of you or how you want to project it then. So you time everything with your breathing. Now, if you take your hands and you just kind of clear your mind, have thought, thought, and you use your breathing, you will find that you can move your energy field in your body very well. It's almost like, like stretching before athletics. You, you're, it's also a workout. When you learn to work with your hands and you learn to work with this energy, it brings us then eventually to the point of what we call the hand of hands. The hand of hands is basically is your index finger and your middle finger pointing straight out, your thumb kind of pointing out to its natural direction outward, and your middle pinky and the finger next to it folded down so they're they're basically touching your, your palm of your hand or as, as best they can. Okay? And once you can internalize this this energy, you would raise this hand up, breathing in and then projecting outward almost like it's 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 like an energy, a thrust, a purity, but it's almost very unique because it comes from your heart chakra, okay? And you will see, like, in, in sense, some pictures of Christ doing this, and in, in certain circumstances, other spiritual people will utilize this too. And you, you can take this, and you can either dip the thumb down and rotate it, and as you rotate and you project out, that, that everything is becoming brighter, like goodness, a higher vibration, um, a spiritual love. It is a key to a frequency that can be released. And it's not just that it's coming from you. This is what's unique about it. It's as if as a moment you take the entire room and you're able to bring it into the same place you were if you were meditating individually. Instead of internalizing your meditation inward and being in that vibration, you take an environment around you and you shift it to that place. So it's, it's profoundly powerful. But it's very difficult to do if, if you not practice with all of these other kind of workings with your energy, but in the right state of mind, in the most balanced state of mind, you can project this energy outward or upon an environment. Is there a difference in using your right hand or left hand? 
No, not necessarily, but it tends to be whatever your stronger your, or more dominant hand is. You know, what, whichever you're naturally inclined to. Why does your hand have to be in that specific position? Um, well, this particular position is probably very unfamiliar to, to your hand. Okay, maybe you do a gun like this, you know what I'm saying? It's something that we don't really reflect on. It's not something you're going to see in a lot of hand movements. There's probably a reason for that. But when your hand is in this position, it's the same reason why you have the subtle energies like this. Somehow it reverse engineers into your, your consciousness the, the nervous system, the shape of it. It has information that is encoded as a vibration. It has an inner knowledge. And what you're doing is that somehow you're reciprocating it, I think, on a much bigger level, and that's what's releasing it. It's something else reacts to you when you react that way. It's like saying, it's like shouting to God, I need you for a moment. And, and God is present. This is how you can create this energy in an entire environment. But it's, it's extremely difficult to do compared to everything else. It takes a great deal of concentration. And again, I suggest people don't jump to it. They jump to it as, as a last skill as if they've achieved other things. Um, it's not a McDonald's effect. It's not something that you can instantly get gratification and figure out how to do. It takes great skill, very uh, disciplined state of mind to achieve the results. I think that if it's achieved extremely well, I believe that you can take a very dark room and actually raise the velocity of light when it happens also. It, it's as if the, the room will become even brighter significantly. So any final thoughts on Highgard? No, Highgard, I think we, we've covered it. I think there's an extreme uh, amount of information there. It can be expanded upon just thinking about it. The possibilities are endless. Anybody who practices any of the material from Highgard is, is going to be infinitely more empowered in their life for the good, for the better. And it can be utilized for dozens and dozens of circumstances. It's an ultimate tool in the progression of, of spiritual freedom and enlightenment. A lot of people ask us, where is the best place to start with our courses and material? The fundamental backbone of everything in our catalog is the Foundation Meditation System. This is a unique meditation technique geared to the purpose of absorbing prana, stimulating key regions of the body that enhance sensory development, and allow one to tap into a source of unbridled spiritual energy. Foundation Meditation can be learned in our book, Meditation Within Eternity, or you can visit our website, foundationmeditation.com, to acquire the audio course. Again, that's foundationmeditation.com. Each of Eric's books comes with a secure readers-only section online that contains a treasure trove of complimentary free training material. When you add up all the free training you get with each book, you have a combined total value of over $1,000 in additional content. This includes classes, guided meditation exercises, and more. Digital and physical copies are available at higherbalancebooks.com. Order the set on discount now, and we'll also send you a free guru deck in the mail for physical orders. Again, that's higherbalancebooks.com. Go there now, order your set, and join the growing movement of spiritual adepts. Follow us on Instagram at higherbalanceinstitute, all one word. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a positive review to help others like yourself find this knowledge. If you would like to support this podcast, please visit our online store at higherbalance.com.
meditation. It's more than just relaxation. There are different kinds of meditation, just like there are different tools to do a job. Finding the right kind of meditation will decide whether you awaken or whether you just simply drift. Energy. More than just a thought, but of movement that you can literally feel through your body. Visions. More than a faded idea within your consciousness, but rather a vivid reality so clear it'll make you question reality itself. Meditation, if used properly, will show you how to move the currents of your mind into a better life, a more prosperous life, consciousness expanding, memory improvement, inner balance, higher balance. Most of all, discover who and what you are and what you can do. Join us at Higher Balance Institute. We'll help change your world. Thank you for listening to Rebel Guru Radio. 